Welcome to the Winners Edit, a Survivor's Storyline and Editing Podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we are here to discuss Episode 3 of Season 41 of Survivor, My Million Dollar Mistake. But before we start that, I need to talk to you about my... Uh, podcasting advantage I found. Um, It's an eloquence advantage. Um, It will let me remove as many filler words as I say throughout the course of this recording, but I do need to do some specific things to qualify or all you'll hear are just filler words. So I need to praise this episode ceaselessly to no end. Um, We also, uh, some sort of prisoner's dilemma needs to go on between you and me to make sure I get full advantage of it. Um, So yeah. Um, I think I have more to say about that advantage, but <laughs> um, like, um, like, oh no, it's I'm cursed with only filler words. <laughs> no, Joe, I think that this, I don't know, I'm ready to talk about this episode. I feel like over our coverage history here at the Winners Edit, we've been pretty complimentary i think of every episode we've ever seen like even when we have our qualms like i think we were both pretty negative on edge of extinction as a concept i think in general we were pretty complimentary towards the actual narrative structure of these shows right like i think even when we haven't liked the episodes or we haven't quite loved what's happening we've always been like there's always i think been more of a concern maybe on like game integrity or something like that level right and they were the episode's actually pretty good yeah, there were still, like, survivor-shaped episodes, mm-hmm. whereas this one took a turn. Yeah. Joe, I I think my hot take off the top, and I hate to say it because Survivor's my favorite show, but this is the first episode I think we've covered that I did not like. I think this was a bad episode of television, and, like, normally it's with the caveat of, like, when I don't love an episode, it's like, but Survivor's still the best show on TV, and I think this is the first episode that we've covered so far, and I think there's some of these that exist in the Survivor canon at large, they just haven't really been the ones we've covered yet, that I I don't think I could stand by that statement, you know, that Survivor this episode is equivalent to being the best show on TV. Uh, I think this was quite bad, actually. And I think the last two weeks, we've had, like, little segments where we talk about being really worried about where this show's going. But, like, still with the, I think, lens of... But it's not there yet, and we, we, we want to be clarified yeah. that, you know, it, it hasn't gone to the badness of, like, a big brother or something. But we see the seeds. And this episode was kind of it all at once happening where this was what I don't want it to be. Like, this, this it's the end product already of what I was scared of a week and two weeks ago. Right. I think, yeah, in the past episodes, we sort of saw not even, like, the red flags, but, the like, the yellowish orange flags of like oh this could be a bad direction for survivor um and we're just keeping an eye on it but then this episode sort of went fully for whatever red flag signal it's here and yeah i was not i was not happy it was like my thought at the time was that this was very much an episode of like scenes from the survivor scrap bucket that are stitched together to make an episode and i mean a good swath of those are all these advantage scenes and even still with all these advantages being explained and messed around with i still have so many questions especially given what happened and where things go from here it was just not not at all what i come to survivor for like i know i throughout the seasons we've covered there's been advantages galore and they often don't please me but this one just had so much that 
I did not care for and does not enthuse me for the rest of the season. Yeah, like, I honestly think that this season may have worst season we've covered upside, unfortunately, and I hate being negative. I'm going to try to take some positivity out of this. But I also don't want to ever be somebody who's just, like, blindly accepting, like, when we can see it changing for the worst and we can see something that we love getting a little less good. I don't want to just silently be like, oh, but maybe it'll get better because we kind of called this two weeks ago, called this last week. I think we both expected that to be more of a long-term trend than a snap. It feels like a different show, but... Mm -hmm. We saw it coming, and I don't know, I think that it's worthy to call out just exactly what we're talking about, I guess. So I think the primary issue, and I think what I've seen a lot on social media, on Reddit, all this, a lot of people seem to be in agreement, is there's not a single scene in this episode before the challenge. And unlike last week, that's actually like a good 30 minutes of content or something like that. Like, it's a good, good chunk of the episode is literally person finds a thing, person reads thing person deals with the ramifications of thing person finds another thing reads thing uh rinse and repeat the entire before section like literally no other content other than the nasir scene is the only one that is not directly tied and even then it's sydney finding the idol thing or the the beware advantage immediately after literally the entire section doesn't matter it's just them reading things like it's just it's basically the amazing race. Like it's person does meaning meaningless task, dances for the the people, they give them a sheet, they rip it open, they say what it does, what their next task is. It's so segmented. There's no we don't know these people, we don't know why they like each other. We even the vote was basically this guy's got that advantage and he dealt with it this way. Brad told me about the two idols or the two advantages or whatever, uh, and JD didn't. And the, the entire vote's even about how they're dealing with the advantages thrown into the game. Like, there's no... Like, this is... At the end of the day, even the episodes we didn't like in the past have been about social politics. Right. That's not here in this season at all, anywhere. There's almost no social politicking. It's just things happen, and the, it's, it's it feels more like a game show than it does... Uh, a social experiment right now. Yeah, I think when you said what scenes sort of did have any content, I would think of those scenes, because I think there are a few more, but they're all correlated with who I'm considering as winner contenders, which I think is either very weak storytelling, or we're headed in an entirely different direction for the winner of Survivor, and... And neither of those make me excited for the rest of the season. But I don't know. I I kind of hope like with Brad getting three advantages here and then him also being voted out this episode, maybe it's like a a cleansing and we'll get the room will or the way will be paved better for more more just personal like yeah. more of the just pure social stuff like survivor players as people rather than players because even yeah even the vote or sydney and nasir's scene isn't even really like personal it's just sydney being like nasir is doing this and it's wrong so i want to vote him out so yeah see i saw a lot of pushback that i think there was too much game and not enough personal stuff but honestly i feel like we have gotten a good amount of like character scenes like i don't really think to me anyway I'm missing those too much. Like, I know a lot of people are really wanting, like, more quirky, funny stuff. But I do feel like Brad and Nasir 
JD have kind of given that. Like, I feel like we have gotten character scenes. A lot of them are based on advantages or plot machinations, like, for sure. Like, things that have to happen. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a little bit less than usual. But to me, I'm actually thinking we're missing the game. Like, this season feels like, um, like... I'm big into board games, right? And so oftentimes you'll get somebody who's like really interested in, say, Settlers of Catan, right? But they really love the Seafarers expansion or something. And Catan's a great game on its own, but if you've never played it before and somebody's being like, oh my god, it's like uh, the Seafarers expansion, it's so cool, it subverts what it means to be Catan, and, uh, you know, the pirates are able to do this thing that the regular pieces can't. And I think that Survivor, this episode, to me, felt like somebody explaining a board game expansion for a board game I hadn't played. Like that like I they were all they only told me the expansion rules and not the actual raw game. Like I feel like we're not getting the actual like who's with who? Why do they like why do they like each other? Um mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Like we're not actually getting like what these alliances are formed on or what. We're just kind of getting oh and the wrinkles that are being thrown in with the what this advantage causes. But we don't really know what the face looks like to see where the wrinkles are and um i think that's a huge issue where you can't even really parse like i saw a lot of debate online it's like should shan have got rid of jd or should she have gotten rid of brad because if she got rid of jd she has his advantage and i'm like in what world have we gotten to the point where that matters like a good ally and a solid social foundation is always more important than whether you have their steal a vote on every second Thursday or whatever. Like, like at one point, like, I, I'm seeing legitimate survivor strategy conversations center around the forthcomingness of advantages and whether she gets to keep one or not. And, like, one steal a vote, we've seen it matter once ever in Survivor. <laughs> like, it's never worked. How have we gotten to the canon where even us survivor dorks are being like, it's more beneficial to keep the steal a vote that's almost never mattered, ever. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot to respond to there. I think, yeah, I've seen a lot of criticism that Shan's choice isn't very well explained along those parameters, and I honestly think it is. Like, it's a very, like, balanced consideration for her for what it's worth. Like, I think she does have two people whose advantages she's considering, but by extension, they also show, like, who do I trust more from this? Or who can I trust more from the from the situation in which they each have their advantages presented to me? It's, it's a very interesting sort of look at it. Yes. And then responding initially to the idea that, like, there's an imbalance between character and game, I think even if what we're not seeing is game, because I think that's valid too, is we're getting a lot, like, we were told that Brad and Jeannie were super close through... Brad finding his advantage and Jeannie being there, which is mm-hmm. kind of klutzy. So, yeah, there is elements of the actual game missing. But I think what we are being shown, these, like, patches of incomplete game in and around that, there's, like, peaks of character moments. Like, you see these little bits of Nasir and Brad and the moment with JD on the beach. And it's like, oh, yeah, we have a really great cast. Mm-hmm. And it's being squandered amidst all this, like, reading. <laughs> yep. so. No, that's a great way to put it. Is like, in, that's, I guess, the way that we can be positive is this cast is unbelievably good. And they're still able to shine. And I think this is actually the first season where the editors, uh, quote unquote, like the narrative team, is the failure. I think, like, even Island of the Idols, we gave so much credit for 
the mess they were given and what they were able to actually turn into kind of a beautiful and poetic story um with a horrible incident that happens with terrible calls on the beach the narrative team was actually able to like sculpt kind of a a pretty blanket or a quilt is what i was going for um whereas this one it seems like they're being given gold and they are actively turning it into like it feels boilerplate it feels it honestly feels like survivors working to make it as easy to edit an episode as they can by throwing in things that have to happen so that they already know like in a way it's good producing for them but it, it's it makes the show worse like survivor did go above and beyond by filming all moments of all days uh getting all segments so that they can construct a a beautiful narrative they don't have to do that if they know three minutes of every episode is going to be someone reading a thing three minutes uh, five minutes is gonna be a challenge seven minutes is gonna be a challenge uh tribal council um mm-hmm. like if they know exactly what's going to happen while they're out there they can kind of reboard these episodes before they anything even happens, and that's a whole lot easier on a production team and i fear that this season is that's their top priority it seems like uh, yeah and I guess this won't be, or last episode won't be the last episode I talk about Big Brother. But I think that's that's a good way to sort of outline what Big Brother has done. Where just by the structure of how weeks go there, they have what needs to happen on a Wednesday episode and a Thursday episode. And then because there's now so much stuffed in there and the way they've edited it is so verbose, they leave little room for anything else. And so it makes it very lackluster. Yeah. And yeah, I would hate I would hate for Survivor to do that because Survivor has so much potential for spontaneity and stuff that happens. I mean Big Brother does too. That's like the point of live feeds. You never know what you're gonna see. But either of these reality shows need to thrive, I think, on that ability for anything to happen. And instead they're making these sort of reality game show machines that just sort of yeah. spit out a cycle of content every week. And like my hope is that just randomly this week people found a ton of things. And so that was like the main machinations and this vote wasn't super complicated. Mm-hmm. But like I like I feel like it was more complicated than we even saw, which I feel like we got a little robbed there, but whatever. Like, hopefully it's just that this is the episode where a bunch of those things kind of piled on each other. And Brad finding three advantages, I guess two or three, depending how you count it. But, like, big moments where he's finding these things. Maybe they thought it was funny. Like, maybe they were like, what if we just centered an episode all around? Like, the fall of Brad is also the rise of Brad's power in the game, right? Like, maybe what we can take from this is that it's some sort of ironic theme or idea that like accumulating this these game tokens is actually not that valuable um and it's more valuable to have people come to you with those um that would be my hope is that hopefully they're, they're just trying to craft this mini story but to me like, i was just getting goosebumps and fear while i was watching because i'm like oh my god i i could not watch this every week like i thought it was not that captivating but like still I don't know, like, Brad still shown, or, like, had a, was still great, like, he was still captivating, Shan was still captivating, like, these characters are still good, and it's purely based on how charismatic and interesting they are. Betters are giving them very little, and they are shining still, and I think that's something positive we can take from it, and try to still see what they're doing and try to take the little nuggets they're giving us, even if most of what they're giving us is things that have to be shown and people reading things like i feel like they could just put that stuff on the website like put a qr code on the screen get the kids (laughs) to read what the advantage does like 
do we really need to see that many people reading that's not fun yeah yeah i think i find that i'm weirdly excited for like merge episodes like usually that's where it sort of really slows down for me the sort of lines are set and even like the potential of flips is often like a false potential and it never actually happens but i feel like in this season that's when all the advantages and advantages will sort of start to like fade into the background and Like, these characters who have a lot of power will begin to actually exercise and exercise that power, and the episodes will sort of revolve around how they relate to each other, rather than, like, just reading in various combinations of people. Yeah, no, I think that's... Honestly, Joe, like, I mean, I think that, like, the Survivor fandom at large, like... I remember Ghost Island, we were, like, going into the merge being like, is this going to be the best season ever? And then I think people look back at that season, and I think us included a little bit, and are like, eh, eh, the the last, like, eight episodes are pretty bad. Like, they're not not very good. Um, And that's the lingering impression you get, right? Like, that's what sticks, is the the merge. So maybe Survivor has gone so good at editing the pre-merge in the past, in this one they're dropping the ball a little bit, but maybe that means you're right. Maybe that means we are going to get the super awesome dynamic merge. I remember, like, San Juan Dal Sur is kind of a season like that, right? Like, I feel like early on, mm-hmm. it's not that interesting. And it gets, it continues to get more interesting. And people do reflect on that season quite positively, uh, me included. I think it's a it's a, a pretty fun season of Survivor. I, I think I'm middling on it overall, but, like, I, I leave that season being like, that was pretty cool, even though I thought that the early episodes were kind of weak. Um, so I think if you're going to have weak episodes, it's probably better if they're early on, um, very least. Yeah, I think, I I think I originally dropped off San Juan Dulcer, like, after episode three, when it was just like, all the girls are leaving, (laughs) like, the Orange Tribe. And I think if you look back at that and sort of hope optimistically what's happening here is like, you just don't know the sort of story structure of San Juan del Sur, when it's actually an, a, a very amazing one. Like, you have these two powerful factions sort of rise up to take on one another, and then they immediately get toppled, leaving, mm-hmm. like, interesting characters behind, but sort of not as divided and willing to work with each other. So, I don't know. And I think you see a lot of potential for that here in the characters we have. Like, is that what they're doing with Evie? Or, I don't know, like, could Shan be one of those? And then you're just left with this, like, wild slate of people. So... I honestly, like, I I kind of hope that's where we're going, even though I'd be gutted if Shan ever left. But I think that that would be a really interesting and captivating destination for the season to go, right? Is have it be a San Juan del Sur where there is a torchbearer. I think that could be pretty captivating. Um, Because, yeah, like, I, I we talked about Evie last week, uh, who was gone uh, this <laughs> week. So uh, somebody listened to my feedback. Um, but yeah, like I'm now back to, uh, looking forward to to hearing Abby talk again, um, next week. So job accomplished there with the, uh, quote unquote, uh, we need to put this on a t-shirt while needed cooldown, um, (laughs) made me buy back into Abby as a character because I, they weren't mouth vomiting at me for an hour. Yeah. And I think another reason I'm here for maybe a San Juan del Sur is I think spoilers and, well, like contender spoilers. And looking ahead, I think I'm going to have the same number one contender for quite a while now. Yeah. Like, it's looking very Island of the Idols to me. So. Yeah. No, I'm, I think I'm kind of <laughs> there. Um, 
I feel like this episode kind of quadrupled down on a few people, and that's not very good for the other folks. And I personally find it a lot of fun when we're able to kind of bounce off, like, oh, is it this or that, or what's going on here? And when it's just like, hey, this person you should pay attention to, wink, wink. By the way, they're really cool, and they make the best cupcakes, and they're really good at Survivor, and it's a little less fun for sure. Yeah, Um, it's very, it's very, because I can cook up a theory for anyone, like... We'll have to talk about Erica and Heather here in a bit. But, like, the edit is making it really hard for me to, like, give some people any sort of chance. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's always where they're actually going. But, like, for winning, it's, it's slim pickings. Right. I, I think that's something else we should kind of mention is uh, last week we kind of made the the theme topic of the show be, like, the return of lopsided editing. And I believe this remains again one of the least equal episodes ever of survivor right Mm -hmm. like this is uh last week was uh pretty darn close to number one for most wall-to-wall uh uh, lopsided editing and this was pretty dang close to that as well the interesting thing because i saw there was some discussion on the edgic subreddit about it especially luvu are they the most under-edited tribe and they actually have more confessionals than kama at this point from edge of extinction which they had to share with Edge of Extinction, of course, but there's three tribes here too, so that right. splits it. But yeah, I've definitely been going back to Edge of Extinction, which is a weird season winner-wise, so it's hard to parse anything from it, but sort of just looking at that Edge of chart and remembering like, huh, what was the structure and overall goings-on of this season? So Right, and I feel like, I don't know, like, was Galoo less visible than that like that would be my guess i feel like galoo was way less than uh luvu Ooh, they both kind of have a similar <laughs> sound structure but yeah like i feel like this isn't like i don't think luvu is really any less visible than like your token uh they're a small tribe <laughs> you know what i mean like i feel like like i would be and i haven't checked the charts because uh i wasn't really thinking about this concept but like i can't imagine they're that much less visible than the healers or like i don't know i feel like every three tribe season there's just one that's like a little less visible i don't think that luvu feels that different than you know replacement level third tribe mm-hmm. mm, i think they're they're definitely way quieter but i don't know there's also always sort of a hope that like oh it's because they're just winning immunity like why care about them or oh it's going to be coming like the next time on this time seemed to really sort of see, be like next episode's gonna be big for luvu so that right. hope is still there so like that's the thing joe like what if what we're seeing here and this is like let's call this hashtag conspiracy corner um what if luvu loses the next challenge so last week was a asa like wall to wall like i mean maybe the most lopsided edit we've ever covered Mm -hmm. uh in terms of yasa content and then this week was super ua covered like this was an ua episode overwhelmingly not quite to the level of yasa but pretty darn close i'd say and yasa was more quiet what if luvu wins next or loses next week and it's the same thing what if they have a what if there's an, like an entire episode devoted to luvu just like there was to yasa how does that change how we the edgic community views this premier pre-swap section that's yeah that's fair because then you have this interesting sort of dynamic where maybe it's one episode per tribe with the premiere sort of yeah. skinning across all. And then is there some intention to this or do we still need to look for the characters that were relevant across all three or yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think my read would be pick the one that's the most consistent. Uh, that would mm -hmm. be my read, probably. And it's still, obviously, complexity has less to do with amount of time and more to do with the complexity, right? The uh, the yeah. amount of relationships, the uh, intertwinedness of it all. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting thought experiment and what I kind of expect to happen. Like, I feel like gun to my head, I would say that, uh, Luvu's going to lose and it's going to be a pop and tribal. Um, mm -hmm. but they also seem so stacked. Like, I think they've come <laughs> first in almost every challenge. Yes. So maybe not, <laughs> um, <laughs> Like well, challenge wise, I, I have a hard time imagining when they would lose um to these well then, scrubby tribes. The next time on shows them potentially planning to throw. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Seems we'll almost see. too good to be true, but Yeah, I feel like if they say you're throwing in the next time on, they're probably not throwing. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I see like I still am under the impression that I think one of these tribes is good. Like Yasa is going to lose again, I feel like. Like, I still feel that way, but what do I know? Um, so, I think that's good there for this kind of generally thoughts part. I do have I guess, one yeah. other quick thing to mention. This is, like, if you're just watching for, like, the fun moments, this is the season of bad dives. Like, every time someone dives off a platform into the water, it is not great. Poorly formed, interesting really? technique. Just, I mean, I'm not like a swimming expert or anything, but they are very interesting. Often, like they're entering horizontal to the water. <laughs> the be old belly flop. Yeah, just just a fun thing to keep an eye on, especially if you're getting bogged down. Because if you're listening to this, you're probably into the edit, and you can probably sort of see the writing on the wall. And so. There's something fun to focus on. How, right. how people yeah, dive like, into the water here. And like I like and like I don't know. I feel like I feel like I was a little little too negative. And so I'm gonna try to embrace the kindness. I'm gonna be Zen Dan from here on. <laughs> uh because I think there is good stuff to take out of here. Uh, and that's one of them. I think these challenges have actually been well told. Um, and that's something that uh, is is kind of rarer, right? Like, I feel like we actually get a story of why each tribe's losing or winning. Like, who's actually excelling, who's not. Like, a lot of it has been Tiffany is not. But, like, <laughs> I actually thought a beautiful character moment was JD, like, trying to do the uh, fancy footwork uh it felt shots. like I thought because he's so he's such a super fan that first time he went for it looked very like Crystal Cox trying to slam the basketball into the hoop in Gabon. And I was he like, is this, is this referential? But no, I think he was just really going for, as Jeff said, the style point. So and he was terrible. Like, I think he <laughs> is why they lost. Like Brad had no issue doing it from what we could tell. He caught up real fast. Yeah, uh, but he had like what <laughs> twenty minutes behind because of what JD was doing. Like I thought that was fun and shows like how good of a cast it is, right? That you have that dynamic just happens naturally. That's one of those moments that Jeff always talks about with uh, Survivor Borneo, right? When like just like the different clashes of culture and like uh, with Richard like barking up commands and then getting yelled at for like that's not how we do it here. It's just one of those organic natural Survivor moments that just like you don't even need any narration you don't need a confessional it just tells you everything you need to know about those two people that's what that mm -hmm. brad and jd scene did 
and it was beautiful and awesome and I don't know I'm Joe I am a JD stan at this point I thought he reminded me of Cusco uh, from the Emperor's New Groove in episode one and I thought he was kind of annoying but I think they're threading a very interesting needle with JD and I think he's the story I'm the most interested in spoiler alert I guess for the future part of this podcast but I have awesome thoughts on JD I think he is <laughs> A really well-told story and i think he is the complex element that is still making me enjoy this show i still like the characters like shan and brad rest in peace king um king of the facial expression king of my heart um but the thing that i'm really like sinking my teeth into i think more than anything is what they're doing with jd and i'm excited to talk about that in the future uh here on the show um, but yeah, like, I, I think these challenges in general have been pretty well told, even if it's JD's go- goober and Tiffany's the worst challenge competitor of all time. Yeah, I think I, I agree that JD is very interestingly complex. I'm not personally, I don't really care for his character. He is very like lover hate and he, he is grating on me at the moment, <laughs> but, but yeah, he's definitely the most, when you look, I think at edit wise, he's the one that's sort of the biggest question mark like i'm really starting to get a sense of how these people fit into the story overall and it's like i don't know what they're doing with jd <laughs> yeah no i'm so. with you there for sure but yeah i agree that the challenges are edited well which is nice to see i think they're not not any more exciting than past seasons <laughs> it's very do some physical things and then do a like puzzle or dexterity thing. Yeah, no, that's uh, I I think definitely true. Um, I think one thing. Uh, I guess we should call this like we complain about the summit a little bit. Uh, corner every week. Um, at the summit. Uh, I thought this segment was actually incomprehensible. I had no <laughs> idea. Like, I watched it twice. I watched it a third time just to be like, what am I missing? I get what happened now. I don't think this was well told at all. And I think it's just, I don't know if they just got bad footage, but it's like Sydney volunteers to take tarp, but I feel like it's completely unexplained why, <laughs> and then, like, why you would ever not, I, I, to me, that whole segment was just a mess in terms of just comprehension. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. it did not say what it was trying to at all. Like, it was just, I thought it was a sloppy segment, and normally survivor does not really have those like i think normally they're pretty good at actually stitching together a scene in a conversation that makes For sense. sure i think compare it to the premiere summit that one is so engaging because you get a little bit of each of danny jd and xander and then they are told their decision and they make it very interestingly this one so it comes after they've all read their advantage which is very like daunting because now they're all going to go read more stuff and yeah it was hard to like focus on like after all of that and then yeah the three of them talking was not (laughs) just didn't engage me i mean i thought at one point the way it's said it's like there's a tribe advantage a tarp and then a steal a vote yeah harp and the tribe advantage like go together they're the same thing so there are only two choices and yeah just not not great i don't know what exactly was going on but it was it was hard to parse and not enjoyable i think i i may have been like distracted (laughs) both times just as i tried to watch it just like it's just the opposite of magnetic like it is a scene that begs you to watch your phone and tweet about something else you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it is so bad and it, it, you're right i think i think the the central issue is that they read these things beforehand and you're right it says tribe advantage 
tarp and individual advantage or whatever, right? Like, it's less three things, and the tarp is the tribe advantage. And then I don't think they understand what's happening. Like, my read is that the contestants are confused. That's how that conversation seemed to me. Because it didn't seem like they were actually saying anything. It seemed like they were like, mm-hmm. you know, when you have like a book report to present and you, you, you've read the spark notes, but maybe not the whole thing. Then, then your teacher asks you like a specific question about it. And you're like, oh, ah, yes, the theme of the story is. And you can really only talk about the high level ideas because you read the Wikipedia page, not the actual book. Um, that's what that scene reminded me of, just, like, people who didn't really seem like they knew what was happening. And granted, it was Brad who was there, who probably didn't know what was happening, but, I don't know, it's it's pretty weird. Yeah, I think I sort of read it as, like, Brad was always going for the steal a vote. Like, he knew what he was doing, weirdly enough. Then Tiffany was, like, the confused one. Like, she seemed like she wanted to go for the steal a vote, but, like, ultimately didn't know what the sort of vibe was. And then I think Sydney always knew Brad was going for the steal a vote and didn't really trust Tiffany either. So she was just like, might as well go for the tarp so I don't lose my vote. So, yeah, it just, it's weirdly fast, too. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like they all make their decisions very fast, and it's hard to read that way as well. But, yeah, very yeah. strange. No, and I was, like, living for uh, Brad just being like, you gotta play hard! You gotta <laughs> shoot from the moon! And I'm like, Brad, do you even know what this game, like, what the, how you win? Like, what, <laughs> like, what, what, like, does he know there's a jury vote? Like, what's, I don't know. Brad is fascinating, endlessly entertaining. Um, I'm so sad he's gone, Joe. Like, he was, I think he might have been my favorite on this cast, and it was him or Shan, and mm-hmm, for sure, um, having him go is, I think, a big gut punch based on how much they've devoted to him. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, very, I mean, we'll get to Brad much, much later, but very easily, easy to love character and then i think he he was beloved by both like editing and now fans alike like yeah such a great character that was sort of cutting through the circumstance of the season and signing you know he did differentiate himself from uh the previous ranchers he did by being at, a total lunatic but at what cost <laughs> at what cost <laughs> yeah so i guess that's good here for the general yeah but um let's jump into the themes and Joe, I so this is the part of the show uh, where we talk about the themes and stories, the motifs, the ideas of what's going on with this season at large. Uh, and I think, uh, not for nothing, with all this negativity we've brought to the table, I do want to say a very positive statement. I think we crushed it this week. Uh, I feel like they summarized our theme section from last week in people's confessionals. Like I felt like we absolutely nailed it. Uh, last week and we're on a good track here for figuring out what's going on with this story yeah i kind of feel i look at our list and our notes and i feel like oh it's so it's so spare compared to earlier seasons that we've covered because we're not sort of flinging in all directions but i do think what we've hit is right on the money for this season so indeed uh which i mean i guess brings us to the first one it's this is a story about dangers and a risk and i mean i think at this point it's pretty clear the answer is actually quite nuanced and i think that's going to be the story i think that there's a really good chance that the final vote is going to be debating like almost like a goldilocks dilemma of risk like i think we're going to literally end up 
and this is my this is my I think like million dollar gamble here I think it's or maybe million dollar mistake as the episode's called um <laughs> I think we're gonna end up with like three people one's really risky one's not risky and one's kind of risky but not really and that metal person that's your winner that's my completely unfounded just based on how they're talking about risk uh idea for this season and how this jury vote's gonna go yeah i think the way because this episode titled my million dollar mistake liana says it and there's something to be read into that. But I think you can look across this entire episode and see all different ways that a person could have made their million dollar mistake here. And I mean, we won't know until much further it, who it all applies to. It'll apply to several people, like, uh, by nature. But, but yeah, I think it's not just being the most risky player because we've already seen that not work out. So, um... yeah, Brad got Brad got like <laughs> swelling, beautiful music playing. And I thought it looked like they were using like a like a, a very shallow lens on him. Like it was I, there was something weird about that shot with Brad when he was talking about taking a risk and how you have to get a big risk to make a big reward. Did you catch that? Like there was something weird going on there. Maybe when it was is about, this? It's which which advantage was he finding between two advantages? Uh, or... What I remember is he like stretches his arms out. Like he like uh has his hands together and then he pulls them apart uh and he's being very animated. It's one of his confessionals. There's something weird going on with it just shot wise. Hmm. Um but I don't know, maybe it was a maybe it was a next you know day after one or something like that spliced in there um it, something weird was going on but uh i think like he gets this huge moment where he's talking about how you have to risk it all in order to win and obviously he is the boot and it's i think the story of this episode is brad lost because he found these things yeah for sure the the story is not that taking all the risks makes you a winner because in the same way you see jd saved even though he he lied which is like in a way, sort of keeping it to yourself. I mean, there is risk there, but like, it's it's very presented as a contrast to Brad for sure. Mm -hmm. Like Brad found his advantages and then gave him gave that information to his allies, whereas JD hid it and was found out, but then did something that purportedly built up trust. But so yeah, yeah it's no. definitely not outright risk is the thing. No, I think I honestly think what we're seeing with Liana is sort of what they're wanting you to be like. It's and maybe Liana isn't the best example because she's she's I think I think that's the best scene of the episode is Liana wrestling with a mistake. And I think that my survivor philosophy has always been more players lose the game by under preparing for the future than than by overplaying their hand. Like it's way worse to leave because you've underplayed and so the the, um, the lay of the land is not advantageous for you when you get there and you run out of runway room and it's just over and it was a mistake you made four rounds ago that you couldn't parlay into something right like i think that's my survivor philosophy like where most people go wrong and seeing liana kind of summarize that with her own experience was i thought quite beautiful and awesome um where it's i knew what to do i didn't want to do what we did and now i pushed against it but i should have pushed harder because now i don't know how i'm going to win this game and sometimes that's all it takes is mm -hmm. a moment where things get out of your hands that said i mean spoiler alert for my contenders not that low here on uh, liana's uh million dollar <laughs> mistake but 
Um, I do think that it's interesting that she gets to sum up that, and it's it's what we were talking about last week. It's a careful consideration of the risks associated. Um, in this case, she thinks she made a mistake. Uh, maybe doubt that uh, nod knob a little bit too far, but mm-hmm. it's still a consideration of the fallout of a mistake. We haven't seen that in a while, Joe. I don't think we've seen the oh my goodness, I messed up kind I mean- of confessional in a while. Yeah, it's sort of the the mea culpa we were talking about yeah. in the premiere that would maybe apply to several people. And I mean, we'll talk about it more when we get to Liana, but I never expected Liana to have that moment. Um, and I think it can be a really beneficial moment, especially the way the story is being treated, where you need to consider everything. And I think there's a big focus on just making hard choices. Like, that's what <laughs> Shan's ending confessional is all about like she compares it literally to like choosing between two parents at the age of five which is a hard if not like impossible choice that you should not give to a or should not force upon a child that young but yeah this season is all about there's a lot of hard choices here and if you don't and they have repercussions yeah and i think there's there can be hard choices and a third's choice is often to just avoid it completely and i think this season might be leading towards you have to make the hard choice you can't just sort of put it on the table and wait for it to resolve itself yeah no that's spot on i think and we see that obviously with shan right like Mm -hmm. ricard is like is, is she ever gonna make a choice like that doesn't look very positive i don't think but then we see it's it's not that shan is indecisive it's actually that she cares deeply about is considering both options, right? Like, I guess right. there's, that's two ways to kind of say the same thing, but one is very thoughtful, whereas I think generally when you think indecisive, you think apathetic. Yes. And I that's think... not what Shan is. Mm-hmm. It's, like, considered versus, like, apathetic. Yeah. Or right, passive. Like, exactly, yeah. It's, like, taking an active role in these risks. And I think we're, to what credit, I think one story is telling well is the repercussions to things that happen. Voce in our episode one, uh, talks about really wanting to keep the strong people around because he's scared of going to another tribal um, and that sort of thing. Boom, he's the next vote because they voted out their strong guy. Story is, sorry, Voce, out of luck. Um, you lost the next challenge. Like you said, you didn't want to. Game over for Voce. Um, we're seeing that a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. someone actually considers a choice, makes the wrong one. And there, there's actually, boom, there's the payback. Boom, there's that monster they're talking about a little bit. I think that's what we're seeing here, um, and I think I think we're gonna we're gonna continue to see it. I think that is the the defining theme here, um, and my guess is that we'll probably get a careful consideration of the facts by Shan next next episode. I'm thinking to sort of spin out on this on this theme of like actions have consequences. You sort of are seeing the very basic moments of that on Luvu. Where, like, Nasir does things, it has an effect. And a lot of that effect has been Sydney just, like, ratting him out to the other contestants. But then in the next time on, you see that Sydney is seen as this sort of wild card. And part of that has to be because she keeps being impulsive like this and just saying what these things are freely. So, yeah, I think there's this whole chain of, like, what you are doing has an effect on how how things are. And I don't want to say how you are perceived, because... That's where we're going next. <laughs> right. And I mean, that's the thing, even Brad, right? So in this episode, we see him make a big choice, right? He 
decides to risk it all and go for the big glory moment, right? And it backfires. It's why he leaves. Like, that is a clear cause and effect. That is a clear, the risk mm-hmm. actually didn't benefit the reward. The he Like, the reward wasn't able to save him because it didn't work at Tribal. Right, like if he had right. to steal a vote, he would have been fine. Um, but he couldn't use it because of a pre, uh, because of a, another situation where he risked it. Um, there's definitely an like a go out and do what you need to, but make sure it's what you need to. Mm-hmm. No, don't just be rolling the dice. Uh, every time. Um, I think that's actually kind of a captivating and interesting thing um, that they're doing. It's like, yeah, I just think that's way better for the show. Like, way, way, way better for the show to be about carefully considering risks than yeehaw to vegas baby like yeah big moves era survival yeah and that could be fun too like you you also don't want like ghost island where there's eight people playing it safe and nothing happens Mm -hmm. right like you want people in there throwing elements out there trying trying their best you want people to want to win yeah, and I mean, a lot of that's perception, right? Because I think you did have, to some extent, like, Laurel and, like, other people were weighing those options, but that it always was like, we're not going to do anything. We're going to sit on our hands and just let it be. Whereas you could have also portrayed that if they had one as, like, this is why I'm doing this at this point because of these things, and I'm yes. making this choice. Right, like, so. Kiramoan is a season where not, like, there isn't, aren't these, like, wild swings and stuff. And the theme of that season is timing, Right, like that is what Cochrane at the end is uh, talking is his his superpower. Right, is the ability to time things right. That's how you get it if it's more of a like a methodical sort of winner. Right, um, I think that's an interesting one uh, to match to this because I think the more I've been thinking about it, the more I feel like Karamoan feels thematically quite similar to this season, and that's another season that. Uh, I feel like the uh, internet community is not a big fan of. I know. I've definitely thought in sort of the, for Yasa, like, as they kept keeping Tiffany, it sort of felt like when the fans tribe was keeping Laura and yeah. Sherry and them would pick off people from the from the new tribe. And it's just like, when's that point of timing when you cut your losses and is it the right time yeah no i think that's uh pretty spot on um and then i think there's also this like physical aspect to it right like mm-hmm. i think we're seeing a lot of talk about providers and i actually think it's i think it's clear to me that maybe this is a story about how those people get decimated almost like um in winter's out war the old school thing and then they all end up being the pre-merge i think we might be getting a all the big guys get voted out early story i don't know if i see that yet i think maybe not all this just sort of happened here but i mean it definitely feels like nasir is an important character to them and danny and deshaun i think would also be your other big characters and i I don't i don't know where they're going but i don't think honestly i think you've convinced me to kind of disagree with myself but i think there's something here i think there's something um like to me it's like I don't know. Voce talks about it. He's gone. Uh, you know, I, mean? I feel like Brad talks about it. He's gone. He's the one who's talking about the challenges. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like maybe maybe the focus on the challenge is the issue or something like that. Um, and I, I think there's another theme I'm going to... Let's actually jump to this one. This is... I, I don't think it's the major one, but this is one I'm resurfacing. I did my... I always rewatch the premiere just a ton of times throughout the season. And any new listeners, that's something I'll do. I'll bring up the premiere quite a few, quite a lot because I think it usually sets the stage for the story. Long-time listeners, you'll remember this. I, I do this a lot. So this is one week where I did that just that. And Evie 
talks about why they are voting out Abraham is because women at the end of Survivor get undercredited uh, when there's a man there. And Joe, I'm a little scared that we may be getting the return of the bitter jury edit like could this be a natalie white season joe hmm. so you're saying it's more of a like why someone loses yes and okay and why do you bring it up against this edit like how how is it affecting women just to like be clear are like they bitter against women or um i guess for the sake right. of like calling my shot here I, I think that the the Evie confessional seems more that it um just like just raw kind of they they just don't get the credit for doing the same thing like just the raw kind of perception differential between how a man player doing the same thing and a woman player doing the same thing will be treated. Mm -hmm. And I think there's another way to read this, that it might be an all-woman final three. I kind of hope it's that. I think we could really use a woman winner in Survivor, recent Survivor. Like, Yeah, I think that's a more likely case. I mean, it's weird, because I'm looking at certain edgic bars on my chart, and if, like you can see the Natalie White potential of it all. And it's kind of frightening and shocking. But yeah, I feel sort of thinking of what I'm picturing the final three as right now. I think it is all women. And it's just sort of a celebration of that. But I've said that so many times before. Like, right. the premiere of David versus Goliath is like, here we go. Like, Yeah, that one be... really duped us. Like, the yeah. we were so convinced. It was like, no, it, it was acknowledging that there's an issue. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um. And, like, and, Island of the Idols did the same thing, too, where it was, like, here are strong women, like, doing things in Survivor. Yeah. And then you had, like, Tommy and Dean and who was Nora. Nora, <laughs> Nora got her 75 grand. I've literally forgotten. She's, like, the best character of that season, so. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing, is I think Survivor trucks out these feminist themes, it seems like, unfortunately, when women get robbed, I think. Um, so I don't know. That's something to pay attention to. I think I, that said all my winner contenders, I'm pretty sure are women right now, but it's something I'm a little worried about is like, like, I don't know if it's like JD and Shan, what if JD beats Shan or something like <laughs> that? I could see being a, a possibility, not mm -hmm. enough that I have anyone higher than the main people I'm thinking of, but enough that I'm like, is there something funky going on here? And yeah. Yeah, because I think at this point it's hard to imagine at least any of the men left beating like the top women contenders. Yes. So, and even I think uh, all but two have really weak edits at this point. So, yeah, and that's why uh, I'm trying to. None of them are that bad. I don't know. All but we'll two see. men have really weak edits in terms of winning. That's, I don't know. We'll oh, see. We'll, we'll see. We'll get um, there. So the other one here, our themes uh, that are left are um, what Survivor means to people, who you want to be, and who you actually are. I think that this was obviously quite big here with Shan in this episode. Um, I think this is another way to kind of sum up how much uh, Shan was really caring in this moment, as well as JD's impressions. Yeah, JD is sort of 
my highlight for this theme because you have those impressions very much who JD is and all of his talk like he is interesting there are the advantages in that he's so animated about it and he's like I should be finding them I have the most knowledge um and then you get the midpoint where he is all stylish with his throws but it's not to any benefit and then at the end, he has that really nice tribal council question talking about how he sees himself. Mm -hmm. And it almost sort of, he realizes there's a difference there and is at least happy to be who he actually is as opposed to who he wants to be. But I, I feel like it can't be the end of that story from JD yet. No way. No. <laughs> I, I think JD's here for a long time. And yeah. I think that he is the growth at it for sure. I think he's going to grow into his own skin. I think it's very interesting that he keeps comparing himself to Wu. Um, to a, it, Honestly, the first time it happened, I'm like, hmm. But like, <laughs> Rad Culpepper was also talking about how he wants to play exactly like Monica and then get the same <laughs> result. So, well, I think, I, yeah, even preseason, I think we mentioned, I think it was JD that was like, he just likes people who haven't won the game. Yeah. He's like, what are you setting yourself up for? JD. Yeah, he lists Ozzy and Wu and uh Joe. and Joe, yeah. Malcolm. Which I mean is fine. I actually think it's a little cliche when people like when you know the question is like who are you most like and everybody answers a winner. It's like only one of you eighteen folks are winning, you know? Like you're probably less like the winner and more like the first boot that you were cast in the same archetype of, you know, <laughs> like, um, but I get you want to aim high, but I do appreciate that, he, you know, when people pick not winners, just because I think it's almost always winners or Suri. Um, yeah, but yeah, so no, I think it's interesting. Um, the impressions I thought were a good scene that like showed so much of who jd is like i I think they're doing such good work with him joe i i don't know i'm like th honestly talking about this episode has made me more high on it honestly like, i know that's where i was coming to because you think about the u.s scenes i think and it's like oh those do tell a very interesting story yes yes it's just how they're how they're placed and what they're doing because you think of that scene with jd doing impressions as brad finds an advantage when mm -hmm. it is like jd's doing these impressions but then brad is reacting to that saying everyone's just laughing on the beach and i'm just the type who gets up and does the chores and i don't have time for that mm -hmm. and that's that's interesting but yeah i think if you if you look at it through the lens of Ua scene, it's interesting. Yeah, Ua is just such a good tribe. Like, which Ua is, is god tier. Which I think, if you do the same thing last episode with Yasa, it doesn't add up to a good episode. I think yeah. we talked about how boring Yasa was in there. Yeah. Episode. And all the good stuff was before the challenge. This time it was all the good stuff was after the challenge. Mm -hmm. So I yeah. think let's see, it seems like Ua may be our complex tribe. Oh, yeah, no. I think that. <laughs> We were right to throw some caution on the Yasa last week because they were not in this episode. Like they were <laughs> like, who knows? Um, but we'll get there. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think the other thing here is like the sacrifices of Survivor. It's clearly mm -hmm. all over here. Uh, I think it's a, obviously ties here with risk, but um, like I, I think there's just a big like I'm leaving a part of me out here. I think is going to be the story, right? Like they are never going to be the same because of this experience. Uh, they're radically shifting kind of who they are. And it's still is recognition of 
who you are, how you come off, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Cool, cool, cool. Um, and like the only other one we have kind of here flagged, which I think is probably still important, is just this young people haven't done so well. Let's switch it up. Um, I don't know. I think Brad definitely gave off. I don't know how old he is exactly. I think he's what like he's he's on the older side on the cast. Yeah. Um, and he definitely gave crotchety old man vibes. And JD's the one who lives, right? And the the discussion is actually JD, who is sloppy and inexperienced, but authentic in who he is, and Brad, who is more straightforward and older and has this kind of older philosophy of like just saying what you like being upfront whereas jd is like actually you sh- the reason i kept it from you shan is that that's what you should expect i'd expect you to hide something from me too like mm-hmm. this consideration of um the game on a level where like you can't actually fault someone for hiding the idol from you because it's optimal play so why would you get mad at somebody because that's what you would do to them and you want to them to forgive you, therefore it makes sense to keep JD, right? Like, I think that's, like, I don't know. I think it's an interesting, uh, like, the idea that young people would play a more uh, duplicitous game and that be okay, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I think I think for this season, this is more of, like, a motif as opposed to full-fledged yes. theme. I think it's sort of reaching its last legs. I feel like there might be some resolution with Luvu, like gotta give heather something <laughs> like please just be like i'm here with all these young people and <laughs> yep and yep so, but yeah i don't i don't see it being as like there's gonna be a like final three all in their 20s or anything right i think i think it's also in the same lines as the like women like women don't get credit theme, where it's like it's brought up because it's a thing yes but it might not always apply to the end so absolutely and also i do think that it's interesting uh one one theme that i i, I want to bring back up again is the sacrifices one that is relevant here so in this episode i think and let's just have like a mini i'm curious your thoughts here so mini debate i guess because i'm guessing you're going to be opposite to me i think <laughs> that jd made the move of the episode by giving the advantage to shan i think that that is when we're talking about sacrifices that is the sacrifice in this episode that keeps JD and it works out. That is a risk that has a reward of still being in the game and earning Shan's trust back. I hate to be disappointing, but I think that, yeah, that's pretty credible. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I think I I definitely didn't have qualms with it or anything. I think sort of seeing the way Shan and Ricard reacted to that. I think it was very astute of JD to be like, Oh, well, here's the best way I can build up trust with you is to just give it to you. And I know that's my best shot. So, so yeah. And I think your read on it is also right. It's a, it's a big sacrifice and it's a big thing to have done. I just worry sort of getting into JD's winner chances. It's not presented in the best, like, I need to do this for my game sort of aspect, but reading through it what JD was actually thinking, I think that is his sort of thought process was this is my best shot. So Yeah, like if Shan's the only vote that matters, you need to do everything you possibly can mm-hmm. to convince Shan that you are the only one who cares about her and that you're just trying to play a good game and you're more valuable. Right? right. Like um sometimes the best way to earn loyalty and trust is to give people the ammunition to use against you and show that you're not scared that they'll use it to shoot you mm-hmm. and that's i think a be like a, a powerful way to earn trust uh it's a slippery slope though because you don't want to become like a lap dog but being like hey i trust you with my fate here here you go is good 
I guess, side question. Is she giving it back? I think no. I don't think so. I think that's what we saw in the next time on. She's like, yeah. oops, it's mine now. Yeah, no. And <laughs> that's the thing is, like, I saw so much, so many comments online of, like, why wouldn't she just vote out JD? Because then she can keep it. I'm like, why not both? Like, keep JD and then say, hey, sorry, buddy, you're not getting this back. What's JD gonna do? I mean, JD could be more angry at them in the future. Like, yeah, she, she just could just vote back. him out, though. She literally just dragged him through the game, right? Like, he's only in the game because she picked, like, kept him there. I guess like, what, <laughs> if, what if there's a swap and, like, even with that extra vote, JD gets into the numbers against Shan. Okay, so, right, but, like, okay, so say you're on a tribe, right? And it's uh, JD, Shan, and Genie swap together. Who do you think JD's going to vote out over Shan or Genie? It's going to be Genie because she voted for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think so for sure. Like, I think that there's no real fault. As long as you keep managing JD. And are just like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll give that back to you when you need it. Oh, I'll use it for you if you need, but this is mine. Like, I think you can manage that fine if you're a good player. Uh, I guess we'll see. Maybe maybe this is Shan's uh, million-dollar mistake. But I mean, yeah, it's certainly not being presented as a downfall right at this moment. But right. that's that's sort of what I would think is, like, you got to yeah. be careful. I get how it's useful, but... Playing with fire. I get you. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess that's good for the stories. I think that... like. As we've kind of mentioned throughout the season, like there's so much stuff that has to happen that when we're looking for stories, we're more grabbing stuff. Just like the the pre- presentation of those necessary facts. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm kind of extracting these um, because there's just so much that kind of has to happen, um, which is on them. Like that's not a excuse, but I think they're doing an okay job stitching those necessary events into something. I still really want them to get rid of a lot of these things, like. And again, it was it cool to see Brad find all these things and then immediately leave? Yes. But that's also so much content that was read by a guy who's not in the game that will never mm. affect anything. That Also, I feel like, brief aside, they, I feel like the hiding of them was just nonsensical. Like, JD just shows back up with advantages. Like, Well, he like, had that one. That was yeah. his, his summit one. He just... Right. I don't know what he was doing. Like, he had to readjust it. So, <laughs> but... Yeah. But yeah, definitely like those ones around the fire. I get it to open up who can sort of find it. And we did get like interesting people in Brad and Tiffany, but it, it just felt very sloppy and Oh it did. Yeah. So Oh, uh, so that brings us, I guess, here to the castaways. Uh where we go through where we think all these people's stories are going. Um and we start with the dynamic and interesting and very front and center Lulu tribe. Luvu. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so let's start here with Danny, who, Joe, how the mighty have fallen even further. Um, I know. Like, give me an invisible episode once. Shame on me. Give me an invisible episode twice. Like, wow. I was, hey, he I was... spoke in this one, I think. He, yes. He And he was, like, visibly focused upon for some yes. times. Yeah, it was. But, wow. I did not expect, even after that premiere with the necessary content, like, just to not get anything. And when we, we came off that premiere being like, he's such a great character, he's a good narrator. Yeah! And now we've got nothing from him. But that's just, that's just Luvu. He doesn't need to be focused on on Luvu, so. Yeah, I really don't get it, Joe. Like, I feel like this guy is, like, you know what's wild? So I was talking to my parents who are... 
you know, not uh, like they're huge Survivor fans. They've watched every season and everything like that. They really like him Mm -hmm. and they like remember him in this episode. Like he he is a memorable and interesting person, Hmm. even even when he's kind of in the background, like probably a lot of that. Like he he looks like an NFL player. You know what I mean? Like he is very physically uh, dominating. Right. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah, like they, they remember him and they like he has a quality and he showed that in the first episode. I think we both listed him as one of our favorites Um, and he just vanished. Like, like I'm like if so now I'm like conning. I'm like if Heather did that stuff instead of him, would she have just like gotten that content and then vanished again? Like, was it just Probably. whoever was gonna carry the water was gonna get that scene and like that's it? Probably so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nice to start with Danny because it really like drives home like there's just weird circumstantial edits here all around and it's sort of parsing what doesn't need to be there from what did and Danny is like example number one for that. So yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, that's like there's literally nothing to add on here. Like we know that him and Sydney have a relationship. Like not even we don't even know if he likes her or if or anything. We know that she tells him things and that at this point and he might still be close to Deshaun who was also not in this episode um that's it like that's it that seems to be the only thing that matters right now about Danny would you say is for me I mean Danny is dead last would you say he is currently drawing worse than Erica or Heather because I think yeah yeah I, I think that's an interesting sort of read, especially considering what we talked about, where each of these tribes might have one episode devoted to them. And maybe that's why we're sort of saving Danny for that. But yeah, it feels like they could do more with Erica and Heather and like lift that up in some weird edit, especially a Natalie White one. But yeah. it's just weird to give Danny that premiere and then give him nothing the next two episodes. Right. Like, I think give me, um, they're doing something interesting. And I mean, I honestly don't know if I agree that invisibling someone for four episodes in a row and then they're the winner is interesting, but it's different yeah. might be the better word. Um, I think give me, they're, they're doing something different and calculated over. They've just clearly, he's clearly an afterthought, right? Like that's, I think the, the difference that said, I mean, I, he's probably pretty darn close to last for me, but like mm-hmm. I don't know if the rest of this season is him being CP five, what he was in the first premiere. Like, I, I I would maybe buy Danny again. Like I don't think he's he's made a positive impression and then dominated two challenges. Like yeah, it's I, I think he could how, reemerge. How a Luvu tribal episode is presented, and then mm-hmm. as he like gets to swaps or merges, which I feel like he inevitably does, but how those are presented. Like yeah. is he the one in power? Which I guess he wasn't like the power on Luvu. So I don't know. I'm very skeptical. Yes. Dead last. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's a good chance he goes deep. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that, I think we see this sometimes, right? Like, um, who's, who am I think? Um, Ashley Nolan, is that her name? In uh, Triple H, the lifeguard? Yes. Um, I feel like he's almost similar to her, where it's like, I feel like she got these big CP kind of narrator-ish episodes um like converging the line and i think that was a little danny in episode one um and then just kind of you know wasn't there sometimes that's kind of the vibe i'm getting and she came what fifth sixth like she was in the finale 
Um, I could see that being Danny. Like if Danny is in the finale, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. I have a I have a different read, and it just sort of clicked looking at this sort of edit. But it feels a little John Hennigan, where he had a strong premiere. Yeah. Was a definite winner contender. And then, I mean, didn't fall off as hard, but definitely was under the radar and not a winner contender. Yeah. And then he was, then he was, idled, yeah. Then he was idled out. So I can oh, see that definitely yeah. happening to Danny, where it's someone you would think would have a good shot, but just doesn't, like, it just doesn't work out for him. No, so. I think that's an interesting comparison. And I guess to the flips, or like, like, I feel like Andrew Savage is kind of like that too, right? Like in um, Cambodia. It's not super dissimilar. And the thing with John is, even though he was under the radar, he still got these big character scenes. Like, for the most part, like, he was still, like, a funny element in the show. Like, generally, like, you get, uh, like, the brochachos and that kind of thing, right? Um, And a lot of that was centered on Christian, but it was, like, Christian, John, and Dan kind of bouncing off each other um so that that's an interesting comparison and i don't know i, I maybe maybe danny is doomed to be like first obstacle guy we shall see <laughs> we shall see uh, i guess let's jump here to deshaun who rocketed up my rankings last year and just like uh all the cryptocurrency i buy rocketed right back down to zero um immediately after really See, he is a solid fourth, but not on the chart for me. He might be fifth for me still, but like <laughs> the percentages for me have right, yeah, it's so, yeah, it's so skewed in favor of the top contenders now that yeah, but like he had a confessional this episode, so he's had a confessional every episode, which for Luvu is pretty good, yeah, and. There is still that idea that he could be associated with Evie once there's a swap or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think it's likely. I don't feel like he is a power character in this season, but I think he'll be around for a while and it's worthwhile. He has an interesting sort of network of connections on Luvu. Like he is the closest to Sydney, but he's sort of against Nasir and with Danny and all of that. So, I mean, the one thing is after that scene with Evie where Evie told him how how the idols worked, we never got anything on Luvu. Luvu's still yep. completely in the dark. So, uh, there's that missing, but maybe, I mean, maybe nothing happened towards it, so. Yeah, that's, it's hard to know, but theoretically, he should even know where it is, right? Like, it's, I feel like Evie told him everything. Uh, so, I don't know, there's something weird going on there, but like, if next episode he is saying the funny phrase and he has this huge episode, I could totally see it. Joe, Deshaun is actually my person who is my... I'm going to go with, I think that there's a good chance that... So I think the majority of my contenders are... Who I think could actually be a good, viable winner in the season are women. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a really unfortunate chance that we're getting a Natalie White-style male winner. And Deshaun is number one on the board pick for me. Uh, the story could be how Shan lost or something, and your boy Deshaun kind of just falls into winning. Like, I could see that a lot, based on a lot of what you're saying. The wor- single worst thing for him is that he is on the tribe that is definitely not the Complex tribe. And what that means, uh, as a longtime Complex tribe theorist, is that he is not on my contenders list. But, um... <laughs> 
again, if next week is all about Luvu, it might throw a wrench into things. And I think that Deshaun has the foundation here. As you said, he's had content in every episode. He's not the worst in the world. Like He has a solid, solid path for moving forward. He still has his story he talked about, like about dedication. We still got that weird scene with this year saying he's going to win fire making challenge at, at the end. Like all that stuff is super interesting. Yeah. Um, the only issue with Deshaun is that he could also leave next week and I would not be surprised. Like, I don't think he really has that much longevity. He has a little bit. I think he has some plot armor and meeting with Evie. Mm-hmm. But other than that, could leave. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's super set in stone that he's a lo- end gamer. Um, but I, I like, he, but he could win. So it's, it's kind of weird that way. Yeah. I think the biggest thing holding me back on Deshaun is his really weak premiere yes like and i guess that gets further recontextualized the more danny is invisible where it is seeming like deshaun is the bigger character as opposed to danny so just to have him shadowed for that one episode is maybe okay especially if you sort of branching out without danny but but yeah it just it's it's starting to become the one like when you look at the edgic bar it makes sense but the pieces don't quite add up to an actual winner's edit yet. That's the thing is like if Deshaun wins, I think that the story would be that they didn't really care for him too much. You know what I mean? Like I think he has the building blocks for that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, yeah, like I think Wendell kind of got that too. I think that the narrative team preferred Dominic, and we got the story of somebody that they liked and were positive on and thought was a cool dude. But didn't really understand why he beat Dominic. I think it's kind of the story we got. And honestly, I think that Deshaun kind of has the same same vibe almost. I think it's a lot less. Like, Wendell, we were calling as the winner at this point, I think. And I feel like neither. Like we would still be kind of surprised if Deshaun was the winner. Like, it's, rather yeah, surprised. It's sort of like it's from the same season, like James Lim, where like the pieces are there. Like, it's an interesting edit where he gets content, but, yeah, he could go at any point. Yeah, the only, like, yeah, like, like the only thing I was trying to think is, like, like what did, like, Aris look like and stuff? Like, I don't know. Like, I could maybe see it, right? Like, it's sort of similar. Uh, like, super low visibility, but charming person that you can sell as a winner anyway. Like, I don't know. I, I could see that, but. I think, if I recall, Aris in Panama is more of, like, a very character like oh yeah early on he's like a goober yes and i think from what we knew preseason of deshaun to not get any of that in episode one is kind of telling i think agreed no i think that's a pretty pretty good summary there deshaun it's like Mm -hmm. has it's just like he kind of has a story right it's it's dedication he has that it wasn't really addressed in this episode um and that's kind of an issue but like it doesn't necessarily have to come up all the time and he has a little bit of plot armor with evie and that gives him this sort of quasi story that he's able like i think we could kind of see get jumbled up and turned into something right Mm -hmm. cool i guess that brings us to the winner of the season erica um i'm so disappointed i was so excited for her preseason granted like sometimes like andrea belke was pretty visible in game changers and then really gets 
thrown in there at the merge as a, a big character. I, maybe that could happen, but I kind of don't think so. I think that, I don't know, I feel like somehow if they go to Tribal, Erica's gonna go. <laughs> I don't know how, I feel like it should be Heather, but I think somehow it's gonna be Erica, and I'm gonna cry. I mean, I don't think she's, like, my first pick to go, but I could see it happening. It'd be a really sad underutilization of her, and a sad end for her. I don't know, I think I think there's still more to tell. I think the idea of, like, a Andrea Bulky who gets more content later on is more likely, or just someone who's constantly purpled is not an important factor in the story, but has longevity, so. Yeah, it's interesting, like, she got, like, the um, classic intro confessional for this tribe, like, it seemed like it was okay on paper, episode one, and it's just been nothing since, like. Yeah. And so, like, we don't even have any idea who this person is, we don't even really see them talking Mm -hmm. to anyone, um, to the point where I'm, like, really unsure like even heather has a like i know it's like almost you can't you know multiply by zero you get the same number but it's like what like i'd say like 15 times more personal development than erica like we know that she has a husband and kids and she's watched survivor for a long time right we know that erica's playing survivor and that's it yeah i know she's the one that in the next time on says that like sydney's kind of erratic and i think i'm just so excited to see what lulu's going to do in their scenes next episode that it just gives me hope for all of them but i know right it's like we don't want this like to be just like oh they're on the beach they are good at swimming in comparison the other tribe like we want there to be more meat on this bone you know for sure like for the sake of uh our show for the sake of my enjoyment i would love nothing more than like joe what happens if literally there's one small scene of the other two tribes and the rest of the episode is lulu that'd be great I think. It'd be awesome. I think I'd be excited, though. That's what I want. I actually like these characters. I think they got stuff mm-hmm. to bring. Let's see them. Uh, and Erica's no exception. I honestly have, like, almost nothing else to say about Erica. Like, Yeah, I think we've we've done what we Was she a belly flopper? I mean, she sat out of the challenge, so. Oh. <laughs> she could not dive if she wanted to. Right. I remembered that Heather sat out of the challenge, but not that Erica also sat out of the challenge. <laughs> I guess brief aside, just because there's nothing else to really talk about with uh, Erica. I think it's absolute malarkey that the you can't set out of back-to-back challenges rule is gone. Yeah. It's absolutely nonsense. It is so, like, it's one of those small changes that has such a ripple effect. Like, mm-hmm. if you can just sit out your weak people, there's no reason to vote them out. Yeah, for like, sure. Heather's just on the bench. How, how can Heather sit out again? Yeah, and, like, Sandra did it in Winners at War, and that's, I think, when it changed. I think we were like, oh, well, maybe that's the only way they could get Sandra for the winners <laughs> in general or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe it was something in a clause. But no, it's it's clear at this point that that rule is different. Yeah. And that is stupid, I think. That is a very, very bad call. It doesn't affect a huge amount, no. But in a season where they're trying to hype up the physicality, like, do they not realize that, like, all these things that they do make it more appetizing to vote out the strong people and keep the weak people if you have no, like, you can just sit them out forever? Yeah, they can definitely find an easier spot and just not drag your tribe down, so, yeah. Yeah, it's it's just bananas. I, I, I don't know where that decision comes from. Even just, just, like... Yeah, on a basic level, it's gonna make the challenges more interesting. Yeah! Like, they're going to pull Luvu, like, I think down with Heather. I don't know. I've not seen her really in a challenge. Right, like, if Erica and Heather are in the challenge, that means that there's two people in here that aren't. And that's an interesting choice. Like, 
make them make choices. Um, I yeah. So yeah. I guess let's jump to Heather because this is also relevant to Heather. Um, yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to sit out the challenges all the time, Heather. You should be able to participate too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was weird about this was, like, she was brought up in a conversation as though she would be an easy target, and we got, like, no development on that fact. Yes. Like, yeah, very bizarre. Don't know what they're doing with Heather. Yeah, no, she's, like, like barely mentioned even. Like, I, like in, I, I mean, more than Erica, maybe, but, like, it's just, it's so weird. I, I, I guess we can just hope that next episode she's featured. And she might be my pick for, like, we're not quite there yet, but I feel like the recent thing that we've kind of unpacked is that there is a quote-unquote family boot edit. Could that be Heather? Or is that too early to be? Um, I think that's that's an interesting read because she did have that sort of that bit at the beginning where it's like, uh, I've been watching with my family. an older mom. So, mm-hmm. like, if Wiggles and Ruth got the same confessional or, or talking to Jeff moment in Cambodia. Yeah. And I hope that, like, final eight or so would be a really bizarre place for Heather to go, though. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like usually that family boot edit is more, I think, inspirational. Like, mm-hmm. or at least they talk about their family versus just, I think, mentioning it kind of off the cuff. So, I'm going to retract that because I think that's a more meaningful boot edit. Like, it's more of, like, a boss kind of thing. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. Like, she seems interesting enough. Like, she has some, like, funny facial expressions sometimes. I wonder if she doesn't give the best confessionals. And so... I could see it. You really sort of push Heather to the side, so... Yeah, I... I don't know. This always breaks my heart when somebody, you know, is just not even on the show. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not... She's not even in the challenges, Joe. Like... Her highlight reel can yeah. be nothing. Like, she's in one challenge so far, even. Like, at least Especially usually when, it's like, like... Her moment so far is being like, I watched Survivor forever, and now I get to be on it. But, like... Only kinda. Uh, big asterisk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, it's... I don't know. Poor Heather. I hope you have a great episode next week, Heather. That yes. brings us, I guess, to our boy, Nasir. Uh, the only character that matters on this tribe, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. he's been prominently featured in every episode. The Luvu story is literally, I think, like, other than Danny going to the summit, every other piece of content about this tribe has been about Nasir. Yeah. Like, literally every single piece. Like, the water scene is how Nasir said they didn't have to strategize and then was betrayed by that fact and then ratted on them and then got ratted on himself. And then we get he got pulled himself out of the hole and he was inspirational and then this week it was but not that inspirational because we still want him out like it's the only thing this tribe gets is about nasir yes yeah he's a he's an interesting one to talk about because i had the theory the first two episodes like maybe maybe there's something to this maybe he's a winner and i think i sort of have to talk about like nasir and sydney at the same time for this but i think i watched it through once and was all prepared to be like, Nasir's off the list, like, this was not good for him. Um, And then I saw the, like, next time on, and sort of saw how this could all sort of flip back yet again in his favor. And then it sort of, I think in the end, I was like, he's third on my list, and I wasn't going to put him on my contenders, but he's still there. I, I still feel there's something possibly with Nasir. Yeah. Like, no, and again, it's the for me it's like honestly if Nasir was just on it, it's it's so hard to say that because if he was on a different tribe all the content about that tribe would not be about him. But like if he was on green, I'd put him number 1. Um he's unfortunately on the tribe that I would be 
stunned if the winner's on. But if the winner's on an uncomplex tribe, they are significantly more likely to be the person who has no allies and is on the bottom scrambling to make it out of it than mm-hmm. any other position, right? Like, if the only thing you can really say about Nasir's position right now is that it changed a little bit and maybe he was getting voted out, but maybe he wasn't, but he's probably getting voted out and he's a funny dude, this is probably what his winner story looks like, right? Like, they can't make nothing out of, you know, like, they can't make something out of nothing. Um, and so if he is actually just what we're seeing, which is maybe not a very finessed survivor player, like he's just not that savvy um, and he just kind of does his thing and is inspirational or whatever. Um, I could also see him being our hashtag Natalie White style male winner, but with content like uh, I guess for me. That would be more like, you know, they win a jury vote, they shouldn't, or something, quote-unquote, shouldn't. Um, that's where I could see Nasir winning. And I agree, I, th- I think he he's number four for me, but um, absolutely right in there with a chance to win. Um, I, think I was, really like him. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, he wasn't really, like, this episode in terms of his content was really, like, Sydney just bashing him. Yes. And, like... I mean, the interesting thing is it is it does present as negatively toned to us, but like it's not contradictory. Like he he did literally tell Sydney, like, I want to vote Danny out. Don't tell anyone. And then you see Sydney telling everyone, which I think reflects poor on her. And a little bit on his like, I, I do think we're meant to get that he's not a very good survivor player. Yeah, he's not. I or he's not conventional, at least. Yeah, so, no, I think that's fair. So yeah, I think I think if he does win, he is sort of unseating your more traditional strategic types. And yeah. he'd be like a Fabio. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if he's winning, he's the Fabio. I think his early scenes you can compare it to the spider monkey. Like I I think that you see enough here that you're getting a fleshed out picture of who he is. And if if we are getting the Fabio, um it would be Nasir. And I think that it's not super out of the realm of possibility that that's what we're getting. This kind of feels more like Aris, definitely. Yeah, than yeah, that's a good one. Like, because I could see him getting like treated like this early on, and then he gets put in a situation where he's sort of the the voice of ration almost amidst a lot of chaos. So yeah, I think that's uh. That's a good read, and he's somebody I want to do well, and I think he's mm-hmm. gonna be here for a while unless he's next boot. Like, yeah. But would they? I I just think it would be so like if we walked into next week, and I think we're both kind of expecting this tribe to lose, but like I don't maybe not. I don't know. Like if Nasir left, I would be super perplexed why they edited this tribe like this. Like why is he the only character that matters if he's leaving? Like mm-hmm. but it, like uh, it could. Like there's so much setup that you know maybe it is just that's all they could really pluck from here. But yeah. uh I think I would take the over on him being half eight place hmm. so at least eighth place yeah eighth or eighth or higher like or i guess you know eighth seventh hmm. sixth in that range trying to think how how betting works because yeah i think there's a there's still a good shot he goes next episode and like i say that with him as my third contender but i think if he doesn't go and it's a pretty good episode for him that like sort of shoots him up well he can't really go anywhere <laughs> there's like two people ahead of him who are pretty pretty locked in yeah yeah but um uh, i think it sounds about right maybe because i i haven't thought of it in that in those terms as long as i should but no i think he's just like 
there's so much devotion to him so far that mm-hmm. like it would just be bizarre storytelling. I think it'd be way more honestly if they go. I think it's way more likely Sydney or Sydney accomplice goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That would be my guess. Yes. I also think there's a chance they just don't lose. Like maybe they throw and the other tribes <laughs> are so bad or something. Yeah. It's like, like a Braun and Kagion situation. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that for sure. Uh, they're trying to throw and they can't or you know <laughs> something like that. But yeah, yeah no. Um, I think that this year it's very possible. Like the only thing is like we haven't really heard is like game philosophy. We've just only gotten character stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and we need a game philosophy or something from him. Right now, we basically know he wants to have fun kind of yeah. thing. Like, he lives life in the moment. It's almost like a Ty thing. But even Ty had way more, I think, complexity to his story by this point. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, I don't know. He he, need, he needs, like, a big complex episode to be a justifiable winner. Like, Fabio eventually gets that. Yeah. Um, it's not yet, though. Like, in uh, Nicaragua, it's, like, I don't think he's, like, a big, complex character until, like, the merge. It's about um, this time, though, that we really get his philosophy, though, and it sort of that's true. puts a space for it to all click into place, at least. Yeah, it was, what, episode four, where he talks about, uh, yeah. like, the benefits of looking, like, like, less smart, but actually being smarter than... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I think Aris was probably kind of similar. Um, so, like, he kind of needs to get there. I think Aris is maybe a little bit later, like in episode six, episode five, something like that. Um, but you do need you do need to change the perception and show that you're capable. Like, they want yeah. to at least show that the winner isn't a, a fluke or a waste of time. They don't right. want that. Yeah. So, Hopefully he gets and like that's the thing is like if 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 next week opens with Nasir being like the key to being a good survivor player is uh I think he's the winner you know what I mean like because <laughs> um, I feel like with these types there's always like this really weird out of place confessional like yeah Fabio the spider monkey's having sex guy all of a sudden talking about um you know overcoming expectations and being smarter than people ever expect is uh is a giant red flag mm-hmm, for sure cool, cool, cool. so that brings us to sydney um i don't think anybody dropped further for me this week than sydney yes i thought there was like some loose chance she's our winner last week but like nothing nothing that tangible oh she's gone joe she is gone yeah the way it's all sort of built i said that i sort of have to talk about nasir and sydney in tandem because it was very like oh sydney is presenting this she's clearly the main character here on luvu maybe that sort of inkling i've had all throughout these first two episodes is sort of coming to something and then the next time on came and i was like oh there's sort of discontent in the ranks about sydney and then on the rewatch sort of looking at how sydney is talking about nasir and like treating her her summit situation it's not it's not like a winner should be presenting things it's mm-hmm. very very jaded and critical it feels like they're building up a villain in sydney yes (laughs) i agree and what i'm scared of for sydney because i actually think she's pretty entertaining is that i agree she's absolutely the villain the question is is she a bradley or is she a a kellen right like or is she like is she a long-term villain or is she gonna get kind of sideswiped soon um Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of leaning it might be soon that said, they have wanted her us or sorry us to invest in her to some degree. Mm, almost, you could see it almost as a hurdle for Nasir to overcome. 
I agree. I think that's the most likely. Like, I could see her getting idled out by Nasir or something. Like, yeah. I think that it's quite, like, quite, even like, um, what, Millennials for Shin X, like, Adam, Adam and Figgy. That was a thing, right? Like, um, Adam gets his, like, Figgy's a terrible at Survivor confessional. Mm-hmm. Um and gets to swear his revenge against her for leaving him out of the Mari vote and uh then the swap is Adam voting out Figgy like that's a huge toppling an obstacle for Adam's story and I would not be surprised at all to see Nasir get the same thing and it doesn't actually have to even be that if Nasir wins like it could just be Nasir's our more captivating character who you know goofy Rupert guy uh and is the one who who, who gets rid of Sydney. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Do you think that's more likely to be soon, or is Sydney a long-term obstacle? I think Sydney is gone sooner rather than later. Like it just doesn't feel. I don't know. Nothing they've sort of put in place. Like you think about where Sydney. Like Sydney doesn't have relationships really. Even like she talks to people about Nasir, but like she's not built up anything. Yeah. It's sort of easy to sort of just cut her from the cast and move on. Yeah. She's very like on an island. I mean. <laughs> They're all on an island, <laughs> but uh, she's on her own. She's like on an archipelago and everybody else is on an island, you know? Um, it's just like early on, we hear she's a free spirit and she runs and attacks the crab, but it's kind of all on her own. And she actually runs into the into the tide on her own, grabs the crab and then runs out, right? Like uh, there's, I think this occurring thing of like, she tells Danny stuff, but we don't really hear Danny say, how much he likes Sydney, yeah, or Deshaun for that matter, right? Like they're just kind of, she's just kind of there and gives her thoughts. But like again, it would be a little weird maybe to have her be the vote if they go. Like I don't know. Like I think I don't know. I, I agree. Either way, she's a villain. She's got this negative tone. She's only ever saying bad things about people, right? Like I think that's yeah. the thing. It's sort of one of those things. Like when you point at somebody, you have three fingers pointing back at you. I think they're kind of doing that with her, and yeah. I know. So cause, so when I do my chart, it is it is a rough sort of thing when I'm doing tone, but often I'm like, okay, how many people said bad things about this person? And if it's like two or more is when they start getting a negative tone. But like, there's a point where it's like, okay, how many negative things are they saying about other yeah. people? And it's like a little bit more, but like, it's there. Like, you can be negative on your own. And I think Sydney was close to there. I still have her as just toneless for this episode. Agreed. But, but yeah, it was close. Yeah, like, I, I think if you are very cavalier with your um, toning, then I could see a world where you make her negative here. Mm-hmm. But like, it's this like catty-ish almost, or like, uh, what would be a, a good word? Like, it's, she just seems kind of mean. Like just yeah. not not really mean, just like kind of mean, and I think that's enough that I think the audience leaves and is like, huh, she's not very nice, is she? Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard, what she's doing on Twitter is like just retweeting people who are <laughs> commenting mean things about her, which is just very evocative of the tone that she's getting presented as on the show. Yeah, which, no, like... I I think she's have she's somebody who would have a blast of people not liking her. I think, mm-hmm. and I I like I love that. I love that she is totally unafraid of criticism, I think. Like, yeah, I don't know. It comes back to her preseason stuff where she's like, I think I'm overestimated. For, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, she, mm-hmm. she's she's great. She's not going to be bothered anything by this stuff, but, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is, comes off a little, little villainy. It is sort of a, like, I have this perfect story in my head of, like, 
yeah, Nasir is able to flip the vote on Sydney, and it's like this big last like that's what Luvu amounts to before like a swap or whatever. Because like I'd I guess love next, to see it. Well, what's weird is like next episode is like after the boot, it'll be thirteen people. Like that's a modern merge. Like maybe it's the merge. Um, but like this last sort of like yeah. Like, oops. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I could see a world where next week is a double boot and 12 boom merge next week. Like, uh, let's not let's not hope for a double boot because we have precious time enough as is. So <laughs> let's go two boots, one hour. Let's get through this thing. Let's get to the merge. Let's just, let's just do three. Everyone's competing for individual immunity. Everyone goes to tribal council. <laughs> right. Just yeah. do that every time. Boom, 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 boom. But yeah, I have this picture perfect, like idea of how it's gonna go and then i totally expect it to like and this year's just go. gonna get five one <laughs> and yeah. after all that but yeah that's the lubu tribe i guess and mm-hmm. i think that's the thing is they're just like they're just not here um for the most part other than this year and sydney and they are so in luck with each other like their stories are oh look one of these people is winning this feud it's uh sort of chris noble and um Dominicy, it's just like yeah, the way less developed version. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there, and uh, let's jump over to Yasa, who also was kind of not here that much this episode. Um, any main takeaways before we jump to Evie? It's just it. It's so weird to jump from Luvu to Yasa because it feels so different. Mm-hmm. Like Luvu, yeah, they didn't go to tribal again, so maybe you weren't expecting anything. Yasa's coming off this big blindside weird decision. <laughs> And then, like, maybe the weirdest combination of things happened after that. And it really sort of tips you off, like, Yasa is not the, like, group of contenders that it seems, so. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. <laughs> um, I guess speaking of that, um, I don't know. I mean, I just said that Sydney is the one who dropped the most. Evie's pretty close, um, because as as we all know, I think, from our show, we do not believe very heavily in the much-needed cooldown. Um, this was literally one of the most, like, she was literally a five last week. We were complaining about how much Evie was just wall-walling on this episode. Yeah, last I thought week. she'd get the most confessionals. Again, yeah, and was it zero? <laughs> it was zero, I believe. I don't think she they got a single one. Yeah, it was, um, I was honestly shocked. And they don't even really speak in this episode. Like, they are mm-hmm. so in the background. They yeah, are like a ninja. You're straining your ears for their lines. Yeah, you really are. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think that is just such a bad sign. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's like, my first thought is like, did Christian have this? But Christian didn't win, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And the answer is he kind of did. Yeah. And... That reflects also very badly on um, on Evie because, yeah, like, I mean, Christian never had, like, a... Christian never had an invisible episode. But Christian had, like, quick line that's positive in one episode. You know what I mean? Like, he had a couple of those where it was just, like, he had, like, one confessional. Like, I think that's actually when he has that I'm a Goliath now, uh, when that uh, we always call back to. Um, I think that was just the, his only thing in an episode, if I remember correctly, or so, something like that. He had he had a couple times where he sort of vanished a little bit. Um, never the biggest character, and not even on the show back to back. Like that's so bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's even just bad. Like maybe they maybe they were like, oh, we're sick of them too. Um, 
people people will want to see them next week. Uh, it just it's it, I think it shows a lot of who got the content on this episode uh, here on Yasa. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it wasn't Evie, especially because the content on this tribe is all about that that was a mistake. And I think you leave last week. It it summarizes it that it's Evie's decision at the end of the day. Like we know that Evie maybe doesn't want to do um Voce, but is okay with it and is supportive of it, right? Like I, there's a clear picture that Evie wants to do Xander. Um, but if anything, I don't think you leave last week thinking Liana's the swing vote. So yeah. why is Liana the one saying that this was her million dollar mistake and not Evie, who we were shown made the choice? For sure. I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. It's like accurate. And yeah, I I guess I don't know where they end up then because there's a lot of theories like, oh, shock pre-merge boot, which yeah, maybe if like Yasa goes to tribal council next and some weird idol things happen or stuff like that. Yeah, Evie could be the target. Um, I still think there's longevity to it. Like Liana and them are going to go into the merge and Evie's going to get sniped, but Liana's sort of there afterward um, Agreed. I, I think it, it would be foolish to not continue the christian comparison i think yeah um i think evie's still our christian uh still like the heroic obstacle right like mm-hmm. maybe you know who a better comparison honestly might be than christian is um i think every week we seem to pick a season and we reference it a lot <laughs> evie is jeremy collins and san juan del sur yeah, that's yeah, that's a good comparison there as well. Uh, where like I don't know, like Jeremy was—I mean, Jeremy was my favorite character when I was watching live in San Juan del Sur. Um, or like m- maybe we could say Josh, because Josh actually does have this exact thing. Josh has the huge, 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 huge scenes. Like, is the opposite to Jeremy. And then just vanishes and is straight up invisible. I think twice. Um, that I think is maybe Evie. Uh, where it's this huge build-up, and maybe it's a story of it's, you know, Evie on one side, Shane on the other that we've been calling for even preseason, which I think that's coming. So, again, a small pat on our back. Um, but I think that it's just like San Juan del Sur. It's just the, the, the top falls out. I could see that very easily happening here with Evie. Yeah, that's kind of an excellent poll. I'm I'm looking at the San Juan del Sur edict now, and you're totally right. Josh has strong CP episodes when his tribe is going to tribal council, and then the moment they go to for Drew's tribal council, he is UTR one. So yeah, <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, that that seems really apropos. And so. like that's the thing is like history rhymes or whatever George whatever the George Lucas line is right like I, I don't know I, I could easily see it uh, they're both presented like super strong and like when they're awesome they're awesome I loved Josh I loved hearing them but at the same time every now and then you'd be like wait is Josh just making the wrong calls like I feel like that was something I would remember too from San Juan del Sur and that was Evie and then. Evie didn't get to explain it. Like, it's so weird that Liana gets to, not Evie. Mm-hmm. I think another person I thought of thinking about this is Sophie from Winners at War. Like, she's a little more consistent across the board, but the episodes where she's lowest, she's not going to Tribal Council. And it's, like, UTR ones. Yeah. So, so I think that's something to watch out for. Someone who, when they're, when they're good, they're good, but... There are these weird divots in their edit that, that leave you sort of scratching your head, like, yeah. where'd they go? 
<laughs> I mean, even the one to uh, coin our, I think, our catchphrase of the, well, need a cooldown, was Dominic in Ghost Island. Like, <laughs> I remember that there was just, like, a string of, like, he's just, like, everywhere on every episode, and then it was not in it at all. And I remember her getting in, like, internet fights, being like, um, <laughs> the main character just disappeared. And everyone's like, they just needed to chill him out. Like, no, if you watch Game of Thrones, Jon Snow's in every episode. You know what I mean? Like, if you watch The mm-hmm. Simpsons, Homer Simpson is in every episode. Like, sure, sometimes there'll be ones where they're less important, but it's never just, like, they're gone and you have no explanation of why. Yeah. I think Dominic's also an interesting example because, I mean, Wendell, that's the episode he is less visible in is Stephanie Johnson's boot, which is another, like, huge character they have to leave a lot of time for, sort of comparing to, like, Drew Mm -hmm. or, like, Brad here. And I think, because Wendell's also UTR1, but it makes more sense with Wendell's edit. He's already been invisible in that second half of the premiere, whereas Dominic, you had had like huge visibility episodes before this so right like i i think just to thread the needle there on your point and to what we usually say right is it's if you are like your story is you're a secondary character like you're a supporting member of the cast and uh you know um you have important moments but like the simpsons right like um bumblebee guy is great but he's and he has some episodes that are devoted to him or mo from the bar and some episodes will feature them prominently and they're more of a main character but if they're not in an episode you won't be like wait a minute what's going on here Mm -hmm. but someone like evie or dominic or if jeremy collins was all of a sudden not in an episode you're like huh this show's called the evie show and evie's not in it (laughs) were they sick were they like where were they even if you got a line that was like evie's not feeling great after that tribal (laughs) Like, I'd be like, okay, I'm still considering them. Mm-hmm. But I'm not seriously considering Evie at this point. That's, like, some win equity still, probably, but very little. Yeah. And it all comes back to the fact that we were told that they're the main character twice in a row. Yes. And they just were gone for no reason. Yeah. But, I, I mean, essentially, they could be one episode ahead of Danny. It's the same trajectory. <laughs> True. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this tribe is all about who, who who got the content after this very seemingly pivotal move. And it was not Evie, the person who was shown to have orchestrated it almost. So, Which it was Liana, who was, was our Liana. next person. Uh, <laughs> and that's, to yeah, the but, moon. Well, okay. So I had Liana second before. Liana is still second. Like, it's A... Number one is just the moon, literally, at this point. Like, yeah, they are there. They've planted the flag and started a lunar colony. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Liana also stays at number two because the episode is called The Million Dollar Mistake, and Liana is the claimant of the million dollar mistake. So, Liana is honestly giving me more second place vibes than anything else. I could see it, like, like deserving what... second place. Right, like, would, um, I think it's an interesting, I, I think that this doesn't actually matter, because no casuals are gonna really remember that Liana said this, but, like, would you give the winner <laughs> saying I made the million dollar mistake in episode three? Mm-hmm. Like, was Voce that key to her win success or whatever? <laughs> I think that's gonna be a complicated story to tell, 
Um, and I think it's way more likely that instead, next episode, we get a renewed focus for Liana. Uh, Liana is somebody who I think I have her number two as well. Um, and basically the reason is what you're saying. It's, I mean, she's one of the few people to get a confessional in every episode. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And again, no offense to Liana, she's not a very good confessionalist. Um, I did like this one. I thought it was interesting and, Mm -hmm. and, and well-timed, as I mentioned earlier, but she's she's not she's not heavy like she really isn't um she she's pretty matter of fact in her in her delivery and candor there so to me i don't think you have to show this i think it's nine times out of ten joe evie gets that confessional and what that means i think is really good for liana and really really bad for evie um i don't know i just i think liana's going far yeah and give me i think you're right i think she has got a lot of second or third place upside downside i guess but again give me the person who i think's in the finale over somebody who i don't think is in the finale um so give me liana i think that um the most credible challenger i think to my number one and somebody i'm actually kind of interested like i want to learn more about liana like Mm -hmm. as of now she's a little foggy as to who she actually is as a person but you can tell that they're wanting us to care about her in a uh very michelle fitzgerald way right it's very like wait why is she saying this (laughs) like yeah absolutely like the episode opens i see it's a like nighttime scene and like yes we're getting them they exist they didn't just like say all the camera people can go home at night right um, that's something that we, i we should have mentioned is we've been kind of tracking this as we've gone that this is the very first nighttime scene we've gotten so that's and... shocking and then yeah. you see and it's liana on the beach like not what i expected at all and it almost it's personal like i was totally expecting there to be one of the little personal packages for yeah. her, but it didn't happen but it was still touching on like her life and yeah it was absolutely great and totally not expected so yeah liana has to be up there and i'm glad i think this episode finally sort of got everyone sort of on board being like oh they do want us to pay attention to this person Yep. So. even more even more than Evie for some reason and that's, yeah i think very interesting and like that's the thing is i think there's gonna be a fight to the death here online of whether yasa or ua is complex and honestly i think that it would be silly to just discount one of these i really do i think that these are obviously your top two i've picked shan in this race but i think uh um, spoilers you spoilers don't know my i number know one <laughs> um but i think Leanna's pretty dang close um i just it's like it wasn't her mistake is how we were shown but we made it like it like retroactively gives her credit for that power mm-hmm. and we saw like they did put special focus on liana saying like that would be idiotic tiffany what are you talking about and now we see the the mia culpa of like yeah it was idiotic yeah <laughs> this was a bad move yeah, yeah very strong that said i mean i guess joe what what do you think is the percent chance so we're saying there's a you know maybe a we say 30 percent chance is fair for evie to be like a boom shock pre-merge vote and well are you asking me if that's the correct percentage or yes uh i think that's high i would go like 10 percent <laughs> okay okay very do skeptical. you think do you think that translates at all to liana Hmm, that is a good question. Like, could this be what we're saying about Evie being, like, and, you know, like, the fan theories of, ooh, where does Evie slot now that she's invisible? Um, I don't think 
if next week Xander idled at Liana, that I would be like, <laughs> that's fair yeah um let's try to think what yeah it is very especially going with this sort of theme that your actions have consequences and those consequences are usually pretty quick so if liana's claiming she made a mistake here like maybe your comeuppance is next episode right like maybe maybe the story is actions have consequences more blatantly and maybe it is a good thing that evie's not talking about what actions could have consequences because otherwise that would be evie getting i don't know like you know what i mean like uh sometimes you sum up your own destiny and uh hopefully that's not the case with liana but i think that's the to put my like more analytical brain on it's like it's either a very 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 good thing and like great for win equity that they shape the edit this way like they shape the story through liana's perspective of yeah. the the mistake but is that just because she like they're blaming her or is it because she is finding a renewed focus depends a lot on next week but i would not be surprised at all if she's actually our shock pre-merge vote um i actually think she might be a more likely i think i would pick liana as even though i have her higher than evie on my winner contenders list i'd also have her higher on my shock pre-merge vote list i think i would still pick evie higher i just oh. have faith that both are going into the merge so yeah which could be next week sure <laughs> uh i guess that brings us any, any other thoughts here on liana no nope. uh, no cool, cool cool that brings us to tiffany tiffany just seemed confused this week joe <laughs> um i think i was i think i might have to issue an apology for my conspiracy last week um i was like oh like tiffany is the mastermind the we're not seeing mastermind. it the puppet master uh, the president, <laughs> the best player on the cast, and no one sees it. I think she might just not really be all that I cracked her up to be. You know, I, but th- it's so it's, it's all based on that one scene at the summit where. But maybe mm-hmm. again, she's just really good at hiding her duplicity. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Weirdly, though, I will say, like, I think Tiffany was last on my list last week. Like, it's at a point now where, like, at least Tiffany's edit is, like, consistent. So, like, and it's not the wrongest thing. Like, I don't think she is as capable as you have previously made her out to be. But I still think there's a place for person like her to win for sure so like not not great chances especially coming off liana not not great chances but like a target and like a merge or anything or so and she's got a story like i just i think there's a lot going for her that i just nobody else i'm that confident in like i think even like my like most of my winner contenders i'm also kind of under the impression that they could kind of just yeah like i think this could be our san juan del sur season um and it's just like all our winner contenders are the Josh and Jeremy's and actually it's like, I would not be surprised at all if it's like Tiffany, Deshaun and Liana or something like that. You know what I mean? Like I could see that being a, like the second in command to three people, three pairs, right? Like that's where I'm going with that is like, that would make sense to me or, or even JD. Or what if it was JD, Tiffany and Deshaun? That makes total sense to me. And I, I, I think that it's something to consider is your girl Tiffany's, I think, there in the... I think she's in the finale. Do I think she can win? Yes. I still think there's something there with that first episode. I do not want to put her on my list because I feel like I'm. it makes me, like, blush when I, like, think it's a possibility. Um, which makes me think it's a bad uh, instinct. But my, I'm not going to lie, my brain is like, but there's something here. But I think... 
I mean, it's probably just your captivating losing finalist. She still has more traction than like Nasir, which kind of shocks me. Like, there are still people who are who are feeling. Oh, really? People. Yeah, because there was like there was a thread on the Edgex subreddit that was like, "Quick, quick, give me your top three. And I meant to like go analyze it and be like, "Here's the actual numbers," but there were like no Nasirs. Very sad to see that. But there are a few Tiffany. See, so. I feel like I saw a lot of Nasirs last week when I was. Uh, this week I it's Canadian Thanksgiving, so uh the most prestigious holiday um so we so i haven't been as involved in the community this week but last week i feel like people were on this year bandwagon and maybe it's just because he got trashed a little bit he's dropped off people's radars completely that's possible i think the other thing too was like last week was more like oh maybe nasir could and it wasn't like Mm, to the top with him but yeah no, I think Tiffany's interesting that way. Like, there, there's clearly something they want us to know. Like, she still has kind of all the pillars more than anybody else. Like, she has. We know her game philosophy. It's not very good. Um, but we know it. And then we know who she is. Who she is outside the game. She got her intro package. Like, there's a lot of good stuff going on there. Cooking under the uh, uh, under the top. It's just there's a lot of bad too. It's that's very messy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're getting a winner, a robbed winner could be her. Um, or you know, uh, what I'm saying. Like, I think that I still think I'm gonna stick to. I think there's a really good chance that the winner is. It's a why somebody lost season. I think that's a very likely situation. Like, I think you see that even a lot when it's a very lopsided edit. Like, I think that's kind of those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And um. Like if you think back, like uh, the the original super lopsided season is what Amazon and Jenna wins, mm-hmm. and then you go Samoa and it's Russell loses. I was like the first hmm, lopsided. Like, would you consider like I don't know if I consider Amazon lopsided. Amazon's very evenly edited. Well, I just I'm thinking like Rob gets a ton. You know what I mean? Like it's okay i guess that's what i guess more what i'm thinking and i guess we don't quite have that yet like we don't quite have a domination yet but like shan's getting there evie was getting there um in terms of just like one or two characters that are just so far ahead um well i think i think there's a there's something to touch on with shan there as to her being far ahead but we'll get to that later but uh i don't know i know i'm not i don't think i'm feeling the the robbed winner vibe anywhere nearly as strong as you yeah i i I don't know. It's just, it's just what I'm feeling a little bit. <laughs> um, like I think, and I think it might just be, I'm just scared it's happening, but yeah. I don't know. Any other thoughts? Of t- I do not have any. Perfect. Let's jump to Xander. He had a cute moment with Brad that I'm so <laughs> sad won't pay off. Yeah. Like what happens now is Xander voteless forever. <laughs> Part of, I mean, uh, forever. I mean, maybe it resets at the merge and that's next yeah, week. Possibly. They're going to merge at like eight or something. And <laughs> all it's of this new is- era for not but yeah. uh um, yeah no it's wild so there's a bunch of luvu members at the bottom of my list but like xander's not far ahead of them because once again liana got the content at the beginning of the episode when mm-hmm. anyone else needed it especially xander right like, be the like narrative last week was like 
Xander needs to win immunity or he's leaving. Like they're literally openly talking about voting mm-hmm. him out. The intrigue of this episode, like next time on seemed to be all about Xander and he's not even in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. He, he feels very circumstantial so far because with the, the advantage and the summit. So they just are the decoy. Yeah. Given content when, when he's needed and taken away when he's not. So I do think that, I mean, I actually think this was probably a cool down for him in terms of just like as a character. Like, I think he has had two big episodes and this is just one for him to kind of, he's not a, not the most, most important character, but I think he's still in the mix as like in a, someone to pay attention to. It's just, I, I don't think it's a winner. I think it's just, he's sort of a, a semi-protagonist. Like he's, yeah. an, he's an underdog. That's, that's what it yeah, is. I mean, and his edit is at least on my chart are visibility wise similar to evie's so it kind of makes me think like are they the two like powerhouses that fall and oh yeah the way but i don't know we've never been high on xander so it's just kind of like still not winning <laughs> like yeah like all... <laughs> so. and i do think though that there there has been like i think it is interesting though like last week was all about the debate between xander or voce right mm-hmm. And then this week, the if you just ignore all the other stuff of this episode, just the Yasa content, the, the fallout of that central question was, it was actually a mistake, but what was a mistake? Keeping Xander. That's mm-hmm. the mistake. Um, and I think that actually is quite good for Xander as a character in this season, mm-hmm. that it is presented that... Um, to some degree, Lyanna, Evie's undoing, could be at the hands of Xander. That's how we leave this episode. With that, the the ball is in Xander's court, and that's very good for him. Mm-hmm. I think there's a very good chance he is, and I, again, apologies to Xander that I'm sure he gets compared to Michael Yerger every day. Um, very Michael Yerger. Like, he's gonna get his comeuppance. It's just he won't, he'll be the underdog kind of guy just not i think he'll leave in basically the same circumstances michael yerger maybe he's the last one in this tribe mm-hmm, but what about tiffany <laughs> except tiffany yeah i don't know you know what i mean like he's like maybe he's the one who gets out evie i don't know there's i think there's something here yeah i it's think just it like, could be sort of like a edge of extinction merge where one person orchestrates the plan to get out another person and then the next week another person orchestrates the plan to get out the person who did that yeah sort of domino effect i could definitely see it um and yeah that's the thing is xander's just like it was presented it was a mistake to keep him i think his story is going to be a revenge monster and my guess is he's gonna get some success doing that he just hasn't come off as very vengeful yet which is no interesting no but i think i don't think i would be like totally shocked if next week opens with xander maybe he goes to the summit and talks to deshaun or something you know what i mean like maybe there's a inciting incident that causes like because okay so like what's the case example of say that happens say xander goes to the summit or it's the merge or something right and very quickly learns like next week very quickly learns that evie was wanting him out and actually publicly saying his name. Do you give him content about that in this week, even though he's going to have a huge moment that's actually earned by the episode next week? I think you might just hold, put him on ice for now, wait for the actual event to happen where he finds out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very Survivor editing. Yeah, typically and it, we know too. it's hanging there. Like, we know mm-hmm. it's hanging there. We know it's now a mistake. The mistake might, like, maybe the mistake, quote-unquote, is 
prescient for the season at large, and that's why Liana got to talk about it here, because maybe it will ring true across the 26 days. Like, maybe this is a cataclysmic failure of the Yasa tribe to keep Xander in. Almost like an Abby Maria in Cambodia, where they keep trying to yeah. drag her, and she is the agent of chaos that gets rid of that tribe. I for- I apologize, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. Not Bayon. The KO? I think that's it. Wow. The Varner, that whole... Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's kind of my conspiracy theory there on Xander. I think, I think so. I think I'm a lot higher on him than you. I just don't think he's the winner. I just think he like he could be like he could be the protagonist of the season very easily. Um, I just don't really. I, I just don't think he'll actually cross that finish line. I still kind of think he could go next. <laughs> I could also see him go next. It just yeah. it would be unfortunate. I think it's mm-hmm. more likely he somehow gets his way or makes it to the merge and doesn't go again. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's Yasa. Um, and that brings us here to Ua, who, great episode. Ua is awesome. Um, I, I do think that the winner is on this tribe. Uh, and if I had to guess, I think this is our complex tribe. Even though our poor pal here, Genie, Machini, <laughs> is, wasn't really in this episode or yeah. this season. I mean, well, before we get that, I want to say it's weird that, yeah, I feel this is the complex tribe, but also my... My contenders are scattered across three different tribes, so it's like, yep. oh, I I really am not, I guess, factoring in Complex Tribe 3 at this point quite yet. But yeah, I would say this is the one that has been the most consistently complex so far, so there is that. Anyway, Genie, Genie Machini, she did kick that thing at the immunity challenge and they lost, which was wild. Right, did you Michelle? See that? Yeah, I did. That was, it's like, and, and she was sitting too which is <laughs> have we ever seen somebody get that invested in a challenge they're not competing in other than what hannah hannah and millennials first gen x <laughs> yeah the return of the very angry uh on the bench yeah she was very into it and um, super out of character from what we've seen of genie you know mm-hmm. what i mean like i feel like what we saw of genie was like wholesome inspiring mm-hmm. story and we got like her taking the bench yeah um think... genie is my number one winner contender as you might have said <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah it's still just i mean it's sort of like tiffany in that we have got consistent ish content that's the same type from genie it's just almost even worse than tiffany in that this isn't content that can win yeah and it's it's all it's like almost eric and heather without being that bad which is almost worse right it's like <laughs> no it's in your memory it's like Erica and Heather. It's like though Erica, Heather, and Jeannie are on the same pedestal, but Jeannie's mm-hmm. been in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's tricky that way. Um, I think if you were to play devil's advocate, you could argue that uh is Jeannie a bad player? She's voted wrong both times. Uh seems surprised this one. Like, yeah. could it just be like maybe maybe Jeannie wins and they just didn't want to put any focus at all? Cause I think she's got almost zero content in this entire season post tribal. Or post challenge, <laughs> mm-hmm. almost all our content is beforehand. Yeah, maybe they're just like she wins, and uh, you know you want to avoid showing her just be out of the loop. Maybe she has nothing to say. I don't know. I don't really think that's the case. I think it's more she probably just doesn't have that much nuance to say. Yeah, I feel like you know feels very like solidly fifth place, <laughs> like an Aubrey style, like game changers Aubrey. Just oh always yeah, kind of in the wrong and like just gets sort of dragged. Grim along. Reaper edit. Yeah. yeah, that's a great comparison. I actually think that's 
pretty spot on. That said, I kind of think it's more likely she leaves earlier than that, but, like, I do get that genre of everything, every person that she aligns with is gonna leave. Like, her story might be, like, early on she talks about how she can get through anything. Maybe that's kind of, you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's the story she gets set for herself, is getting through anything is actually dealing with a lot. <laughs> getting all your allies <laughs> voted out, that sort of thing. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I, I also, like, why didn't they vote Genie out? Hmm. To me, it seemed like the debate was JD or Brad, and obviously we only see, you know, a smidge of what happens, but it seemed to me like Brad was very loyal to Shan, and JD was very loyal to Shan, and I, it seems like Shan and Ricard are really close. So why did why did she vote out Genie? Do you lose Brad? But oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and once yeah. again, it's like, does Brad have anywhere to go? But he would also have possibly three advantages so. <laughs> right like you don't want to i guess that's actually a good point is you don't want to leave angry brad in both because of advantages but also like i don't know not to like my guess is that brad might find people he has more in common with on other tribes mm-hmm. and like i think that's something you always have to keep in your mind it's like brad sticks out a little bit like a sore thumb on this tribe he's older he's a cattle rancher like, I just don't really think that you could bet on him being that loyal, actually. Like, I think he's loyal, but, like, does he even know about tribe loyalty? Hmm. You know what I mean? I just... He, d- he did want to probably South Pacific. <laughs> he South Pacific, that's true. Like that said, if somebody's talking about how much they love South Pacific to you, you might consider them being trustworthy. But, mm-hmm. like, I think you could see a world where Brad gets along more with, like a Xander or a Danny. Yeah. Um if if you're Shan and just like, yeah, you like me now, Brad, but will you like me tomorrow? Is I think an interesting thought experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah. I guess that's Genie. That's a yeah, we made great points about Genie. <laughs> yeah, great great points about Genie. Um yeah, she's just like a little forgettable. Um but mm-hmm. hopefully that changes. Uh okay, so let's jump here to JD, who, like I said, I think is the most interesting story they're telling because i think they're trying to tell a story of somebody who is trying their best like i think he is like it's such a weird needle to thread in i think you said earlier that he's love or hate and i think that's so spot on where you literally see i think even like in the the old facebook comments some people love this kid and some people cannot stand him and think he's ruining the show like it's right in the middle and i think that's actually super cool um because what they're doing with him is he is your annoying little brother that like bothers you and can be a little annoying and abrasive but you can tell he cares a lot and he has skills it's a weird one to thread that he's not using them right but they are there Mm -hmm. and yeah i think they're very intentionally showing like there's a lot of enthusiasm and like raw ability there but it's rarely getting used efficiently and correctly like you see that like he has the advantage but then he just sort of clumsily like has it be discovered and is able to like save himself from there but but yeah he's sort of he's just all over the place is sort of the the, the word the words to yeah he's everywhere all at once right and he's everything Mm -hmm. all at once and i mean i think it's like 
Honestly, Joe, I, I think he has a decent amount of one equity. I think I have him around six or seven. Um, mostly I, just because he's on the right tribe and mm-hmm. like he has a character, he has focus. And this is my little uh conspiracy theory for where his story might be going. So right now he's a little foolish and and I'm always a sucker for like what if the growth edit turns into the winner? Because that could be cool um mm-hmm. but does a little bit misunderstand the the intention behind a growth edit but listen to my story um so right <laughs> now he's impersonating woo right it, multiple times in this episode what if his story is right now he's kind of playing for second and through the course of the show he starts impersonating tony let's say or uh insert winner here and maybe the story is about how he stops idolizing people who didn't win and slowly becomes himself slash uh, somebody who can win. Like, I think I could see that. Like, just like, that's like a subtle thing you could do. Or it could just be he's second place. Um, but I, I think that's kind of cool is what they're doing with him, his like survivor fandom it's also interesting he mentions that ricard is the only one who knows survivor like he does that's interesting because we know shan is at the same level Mm -hmm. okay so i haven't watched this season of australian survivor but would you say this hypothetical trajectory you've imagined is that similar to like christy was on the yeah uh, like not the initial season like the third season of australian survivor but like the reboot because like from what i've looked at and what i understand it didn't seem likely that christy was going to win early on like it did have this like sort of erratic nature and very prone to over the topness but definitely then, but then it sort of smoothed out and i mean there were still other contenders which it feels like this season will always be rife with other contenders they're sort of sprinkled all about it right and no i think that's a, actually an amazing comparison because that's what it was right is christy was bad at the game because she cared so much early on like that's was the defining quality was she was sloppy and messy because she just had a hard time because she was so excited being there but in the greatest episode of survivor of all time the australian survivor 2016 finale that gets flipped on its head to show why she must win like it is the it is a turn in the final immunity challenge where her passion is undeniable and that has to lend itself to the jury seeing that as well like um and beats the more conventional winner type in in that moment like it's a beautiful amazing amazing moment that if you haven't seen you got to um and i think that that is an amazing comparison and with the Australian survivorization of this season, could we be looking at them going right back to the well of their first winner? Hmm. Yeah, I see. I think the thing is, I'm glad you think it's a good comparison. Like, I didn't just pull that out of anywhere. But, like, I do think it does fall into that trap of, like, but what if the growth edit is the winner edit this time? Because yep. it, it wasn't that happened once for Christy, but who knows if it'll ever happen again even here but yeah i think that's that's sort of the same reason because i also have jd about sixth which i have not been the highest on him throughout i didn't think his second episode was that good but but in a if there is this sort of australization there's definitely room for ups and downs and like i think australization would be becoming more like austria us yeah you get it um but but it's not it's not evy cp5 to utr1 levels it was a dip 
He was in the scene for Ua in episode two, and then he came back, so. Oh, yeah, no, like, JD's quieter episode is what a cooldown looks like, where he still has mm-hmm. a huge scene about him. You know uh, what I mean? I like I wasn't the most into it when we talked about it last episode. I think, I don't know. But I'm just very anti-cooldowns. No, like, I think in general, yeah, like, it's not a thing. But, like, even, like, in a way, Shan had a quieter last episode. But, like, there was still an entire segment devoted to Shan. Like, you know, like, it's not, like, I feel like, yeah, it's not like winners stay the most visible character the entire season, the entire time, unless you're Ben. But, like, it's just, when even even when they're quieter, they're, they're, they're kind of quieter for a reason, and it's explained. Like, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the important thing, I think. Um, not just, where are they? Uh, I was so excited to see my favorite character. Why aren't they here? Um, yeah. So that's, I don't know, I think the thing with JD is there's so much attention to this story. Mm-hmm. And we have a pretty complex duo there with JD and Shan, I think, at this point. I think that's, I think, almost ready to call that. Um, I think the, the, the contenders against it would be the triangle of uh, Tiffany, Evie, La, um, and Deshaun, and Liana. I guess that's a, what, a square, then. Um, that power source seems like it could be something. But I do think that Shan and JD are pretty darn close to number one there in terms of like complex duo but it's not quite there um but i i, I don't know i just think there's a very good I, I can see a lot of paths for where jd goes and all of them pretty much are him going very deep in this season yeah i think he would be my other person i'd be fighting myself between him and tiffany for longevity yeah i think if ua went to tribal council next it would be genie weirdly which makes me think they would absolutely not be going to Tribal Council next. Yes. Um, yeah, so I think I see JD longer term. I think going back to the the Nasir bet, like, 8th place or higher seems seems likely. Because he is, yep. like, gross at it at worst. Like, some weird winner at it at best. So Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I guess that's good for JD. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's jump here to Ricard, who I almost, honestly, Joe, always forget he's on the season. Like... Um, that said, I mean, I'm almost wondering if I'm discounting him too much. Like, he's on the right tribe, but I don't have him very high at all. Uh, but right now I'm starting to think if that's the wrong call. He is on Ua. He's been in every episode. We get some degree of him versus JD being a long-term story. The issue is that I think I'd buy, buy JD in that fight. He was so, yeah, he was so incredibly quiet in this episode like he he was not the one with agency in the whole transaction between shan and jd and i think just like his lack of being there like his lack of agency has been a season-long problem like that was the thing with the sarah vote was like he i mean he noted it but it wasn't like under his control and and here this too like this vote did not seem like his control i think my read on Ricard, I don't think you're wrong to sort of have him lower. In fact, when I look at that thread that's like, name your top three, there are a lot of Ricards there, and I'm like, that's maybe the most surprising. Same. I think Ricard is not, like, not close. I think he is almost a villain that the all the necessities of the edit doesn't really have time for so you get little snippinesses and not like the full like full-blown villainy of it all which i have seen other people say that too so i don't think that's like the most uncommon viewpoint but yeah i don't see it as a winner yeah it's weird because so like he has his story is that him and jd have are at odds right even um like episode one 
he talks about how JD's not going to be here long, and JD's annoying, and he mentions his name JD at the fire or at the at the water well. Mm-hmm. Not, um, and then this week, JD says Ricard is his threat in terms of knowing the game. Like they are a rivalry. It seems like JD doesn't know it, but it also seems like they're aligned. Like yeah. low key on the beach, they're totally aligned, but they're being presented like they do not like each other, and that is very interesting. Uh, because they're voting together, and they're both close to Shan. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what that means, but there is something weird going on with this weird triangle. They are actually a contender, I think, for Complex Duo, where they, they're bouncing off each other in interesting ways, but they're clearly working together. That means to me that maybe we see a storyline reconciliation of some sort of them, you know, getting back together. Um, but I don't know what it looks like, but I think Ricard is important to JD's story. Yeah, I think it, it looks pretty bad for Ricard that he was so anti-JD and then has now voted with him twice. Like, they're clearly, like, working yes. together to some extent. And we're not getting any sort of... Di- well, I guess he did in episode two sort of switch his focus from JD to Brat, but... True. Now, now that's been resolved, so will it switch back? So yeah, yeah there's the definitely is... there's interesting stuff there, and I I want to say I do think this sort of lack of acknowledgement that they're rivals who are working together is worse for Ricard than it is for JD. Like JD yeah. can get away with that because he's also sort of like surviving votes rather than actively choosing. Yeah, he's the de- he's been the decoy, right? Like yeah. that totally is gonna happen. Like, um, mm-hmm. and also it's like Ricard. The issue with Ricard. Is I feel like they're trying to present him as a strong player, mm-hmm. and I feel like we're seeing him just not be able to actually do anything. Like yeah. he has no, like you said, no agency, and like that doesn't, like that reflects badly for him. But JD's whole thing is like making people like him enough to keep him there, right? Like mm-hmm. being friendly enough that nobody wants to vote him out. And to his credit, Ricard has failed to get numbers on his side to vote at JD. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm also, I see so much Ricard support. And it makes me be like, am I missing something? Like, he is on the right tribe. Like, um, but I don't know. I just, I don't really see a world. Like, I would buy JD way over Ricard. And they do seem to be at battle. And, like, my guess is they're just on different sides in this merge game and my guess is that jd would get one over on ricard i think that's that's so weird though because they have shan there like yeah and is going to connect them but we, we haven't like okay you know what i think is going on that's also weird uh, for ricard is i think it's very clear to us that ricard and shan are close yes just based on like you see them kind of sounding off each other and stuff Mm-hmm. We haven't really got that many scenes of them. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's us kind of extrapolating it. But we've never really got a scene or, like, a confessional, really, of them talking about how much they trust each other or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it's all based on you just see them talking about what they're going to do, and that's what he ends up yeah. doing. What do you think that means? Like, I think it means that... It, like, okay, remember flashback to uh, David vs. Goliath. That's the one with Natalia on it, right? Yes. yes. I think it gives me that vibe, where it's like, this story doesn't actually matter. Their relationship doesn't matter. So we haven't, like, we've got the scenes with Shan and JD. We've got the scenes with JD versus Ricard. We haven't really got the, the receipts there on Shan and Ricard. And I think that's, like, my guess is it means that they're, they're just not actually long-term allies. Okay. Or I or see. there's no complexity there in that in that duo. Yeah, I definitely see where you could be getting out there. Like, okay. Like Ricard's number one ally might be Evie. Like, I could see him flip on them very very easily. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think he's just like 
there's a trickster element to him, I think, and I think he's anti-JD, and that could be maybe, um, like, even in this episode, right, like, he actually has a very good line where he's like, Shan, I'm literally just sitting here waiting for Shan to decide. That's, like, the defining Shan and Ricard confessional to this point, and it's Ricard not being a big fan of what Shan's doing, and then Shan reinforcing it with a positive story. So, I think, in a way, you're you're kind of seeing Shan and Ricard at odds too, um, and that would explain why Episode One was shown with Sarah and Ricard being so close. Like, mm-hmm. I think they're building to a a fracturing of this tribe, and Ricard is your Judas backstabber. I think yeah, that's a very interesting read. I I could definitely see it all coming coming true because. Yeah, it seems like the pieces are all there, or there are pieces missing that should be there. If yeah. Or otherwise, so. yeah, because they're totally working together. Like, that's the thing. But there's all this animosity in mm-hmm. the background, and that's, yeah. that's something to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. I guess speaking of animosity, let's get to the star of the show. I think that she's both of our number one contenders. Spoiler alert. Uh, Shan, what an episode. Um, I think looks incredible coming out of this episode. Like, the number one skyrocketed even further. Um, yeah. but there was some warning signs, uh, and I don't know if you want to gush over her or get into the warning signs first. Well, it's lovely that we get to talk about her last, because it's this nice build-up to her. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just to, like, beautifully structured, where it's like, she gets to touch on every strategic element of Ua, and then her, like, hard decision is paired with this very personal, very touching story that makes you want to root for her so much and yeah it all just works out really well and that this episode plus the last two just feels like a winner's edit like it's just Mm -hmm. perfect ish because yeah there are a few weird things (laughs) yeah and i think no i i guess we're gonna gush about her first because to shan's credit she was in this episode a lot Mm -hmm. and i didn't get sick of her i thought she maintained her excitement here yeah, remembering what I was going to mention is I think you said people might see Shan as a main character. And I think there is a bit of like people who watch the edit are going to see Shan as like this front far and away winner contender when she's not as I mean, she was obviously very present in this episode, but she's not as visible as we see her edit wise. I think mm-hmm. she shares more time with other people than we think. And it's just because the scenes we see are so winner worthy that we think she's dominating but yeah yeah i i I totally agree with that even like like her premiere like i from my memory she was all over that and she like she's visible she's not the most visible character in that episode Mm -hmm. you mean like not even on her tribe and i think that speaks to her star power and the fact that she did have such a big episode and it felt even bigger is great um Mm -hmm. and yeah like i think the 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 parts that are and i also want to mention like i think we threw some shade a little bit evie's way when there was the episode all about evie and we're like well i was like it seems like she made the wrong call and is getting all this content and it feels undeserved shan seems like she is a incredible player like shan is an artist at the game of survivor um she has brad coming to her with the advantage that she wants out like she wants brad out and he's coming to her like she has everybody wrapped around her finger on the tribe it seems like and she's getting the content to back that up like this is one of those times where it just feels like she actually is that good she actually is this badass player and Mm -hmm. she's getting the edit to back that up which is awesome yeah okay that said uh i think the indecisiveness of 
at all is not good for Shan. And I don't know. I think that in a different season, I think this would get edited as she's the swing vote. And instead we got a story about how uh, indecision has haunted her life. That mm-hmm. could be a fatal flaw, sort of stitching in more than anything. I guess I see sort of the the times where it's been apparent that she's been indecisive and then stuff like Ricard being like, just waiting for Shan to make a choice. That's sort of like, Shan is indecisive. But then her story that she brings up sort of highlights what we talked about in themes, which is like, Shan is just super considering the hard choices she has, and they mean a lot to her because of who she is as a person and how she's related to these people. And that's where her indecisiveness comes from. So I feel I did almost think, I don't know if I sort of thought about on the, on the rewatch or something, but like, oh, this was kind of contradictory. Like, she has Brad like why would she not vote out jd but i feel like the edit really measures it well and says oh shan made a choice that she considered well like you may not think of it as the best choice but she definitely weighed the pros and cons and came to it logically right no i i agree and that's why she's still my number one like i think it's a Mm -hmm. worthy red flag that if if it takes a like negative side in the future it's something to watch out for. But I think right now you're right. It's contextualized in an interesting way where it's actually about the nature of decision-making itself. Mm-hmm. Ricard actually has, I think you see this, how you leave the story uh, or, or this episode is, the story is Ricard doesn't understand the nuance going on behind the scenes with Shan. Yeah. Ricard sees indecisive, doesn't know what to do just tell me what to do is what he says, right? Like, just tell me which one's going to go home. That is what we were talking about earlier about uh, passivity. Yeah. Where Shan is actually deeply considering these options and it just means a lot to her. And Mm -hmm. in a way, she gets to one-up Ricard by also introducing a beautiful, awesome confessional and story element. Like, I think that's actually very, very good for Shan uh, that... And it gives her some, um, like, I think, like, like we always say, like, Survivor loves to show their winners in a little bit of peril. And how do you show that if the player's clearly dominating the tribe in a way that we haven't seen in a long time? Mm-hmm. Throw some light shade her way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Yeah, so, I don't know, Shan to the moon, like, it's, it's like, I would be pretty close to be picking Shan over the field. Hmm. I'm not quite there, but it's approaching. I think... With all the, like, seeds of, like, is it a bitter jury? Is it, like, some weird, like, other scenario? Like, it sort of made it closer for me. But, yeah, she's still far ahead of Liana, who is far ahead of Nasir. And so, yeah, a sizable chunk. She's definitely an important character. Like, not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah, she Um, could not be the shock pre-merge vote. Like, I would not... I, I don't think that's possible. I think... Yeah. Honestly, I think she is. She could maybe be a merge vote or like something like that, like a Zeke or uh, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but other than like other than like big obstacle, if if it's a Sam Dulcer kind of thing, like if she's Jeremy, yeah. I get it. But which is like which could be it, right? It could be Evie, Josh, and Jeremy, and bye bye. Yeah. But I think it would still be that. Like I still think you leave Sam Dulcer as like the second most likely winner was Jeremy, and the third most likely winner was josh it just so happened that the first one was natalie and she won like i think that's kind of how that season story ends up panning out it's just like that that was your winner contender list it's just some of them left early merge i could see that with this season with those ones but i i honestly think shan goes further than that like Mm -hmm. i would be 
pretty close to betting she is sniffing the finale at the very least like a seventh place um like the christian spot or something like i just i how could you have this show without her like she's so good and she they know it like that's the only only fear really um i i've seen some um people saying she's overexposed i don't think she's overexposed but i, I can kind of see where they're coming from um we haven't had a woman winner like shannon a long time I don't think that doesn't mean that it couldn't start now. And I don't know. I'm enthused by the idea of a Shan win. Even if we're calling it now, I think that would be a pretty awesome road. She's also shown a desire to play well and play hard, which I love. Like, I don't think a Shan win would be boring. I think it would be dynamic and interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think just like almost meta wise to consider, like everyone has Shan as number one. And that sort of leads to, like, is Shan's edit too good? Which I think is always, I don't know. Same thing was with Tommy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, love the edge community. I think sometimes, I think the the ultimate sin of the edge community is that people start thinking that the editors care about us. And they do not. Like, Mm -hmm. they care about telling the captivating story for soccer moms in the midwest or new fans who are watching from netflix like that's what they're going after um they don't really care about the internet people uh like i remember island of the idols like i feel like the most common our edgic topic was tommy is too obvious a winner and then you talk to somebody on the street, find one of Jeff Probst's friends, and they'd be like, who's Tommy? Mm-hmm. Same with Michelle. Like, it's just a thing that happens, and people just want it to be more about them when it's not. And I don't know. I think it's very, very likely it's Shan. It's just, uh, I think there's also a chance, like, I don't, I just think that there's a good that Shan could be a bitter jury causer. Yeah, I definitely think Shan is sort of this, like, the the number one contender. And sometimes that has happened where that number one contender has just sort of gone away. That's your Josh and Jeremy. That's Marcus and Gabon. And it means they're mm-hmm. doing something different. But there's also been your Tommy Sheehan's and your Kim Spradlin's and, like, yep. these people who do dominate There's way it. more I, of those. Yeah. I think it's more likely than not you got to stick with that and like always like if you're doing edgic like consider the other people don't just sort of go into an episode and be like it's Shan still like she got the stuff she needed like keep an eye on those people in the rearview mirror but yeah don't just drop off because it's too good because like if it's following what the what the edit has the rules have decided there are good edits like that's great like let it do that and it'll pay off theoretically yeah yeah because that's the thing is like you honestly you look at the chart of most winners edicts and it's like cp average cp4 uh yeah like that's that's most especially the modern ones it's yeah just especially like, recently just a wall of them talking in a lot of episodes, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, it's just kind of how they how they do it now. And to just disqualify people because they're too good is, I think, a mistake. Um, like literally, Tony won last season. Like Tommy won before that. Uh, Nick was by far the most complex character. Like I think Nick set a record for the most complex episodes in a row. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, like, like that's your recent winner. It's just, like, they give you their entire life story and who they are and what they do and what they want to be and everything all the time. They just know everything about this person, for the most yeah. part. Um, So, yeah, like, Shan, Shan's, Shan's stock to the moon. You're right. I think she's 
planted her flag on the moon. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I really like her. I easily my favorite character, and it's not close. So I would be ecstatic if she's our winner. Yeah, it'd be a very good winner. It'd be nice for. I know it's. We were also really strong on our preseason, so that's kind of intimidating. But it'd be nice if that paid off in the end. Yeah. Yeah. No. If and honestly, if I'm biased for anybody, it's her because I just think she's great. Like I think she's <laughs> so, so so captivating. Um. So well, maybe it's that. Maybe we have a blind spot. But the only other person I have a blind spot for is our boy Brad. Uh. I'm so sad. What a journey we've been on. We we came in preseason being like, what is Brad? Like Brad literally like turned me off the listening to the actual podcast because he was he was sure something. And I still wasn't sure in the premiere, but these next two episodes like got me on board. On board the Brad train. King icon. Yeah, I have nothing put him on every season. That's all I gotta say. I think we can learn from him. Maybe don't be so risky if it's not what you are mm-hmm. um yeah i that's, that's good for brad like i feel like we talked about him a lot throughout like, yeah king icon legend uh <laughs> next boot joe who is it i'm gonna say sydney i'm gonna say it's oh that's what i was gonna go with uh we're gonna go with there's no other good choices yeah right. you I'm gotta gonna... go you gotta go first so then yeah I can I'm gonna go like... with... it's gonna be erica and somehow the vote's gonna be like they want to do sydney but they think she has an idol and instead they do erica wow how the how the tables have turned your That's canadian really... queen i know i know but if shan's winning erica can be a pre-merge flop okay. i just i'll just <laughs> hate myself for not picking shan instead of erica um <laughs> preseason uh winner i think i've kind of uh hinted at what i'm viewing this um i have nasir and deshaun there on the in my top five uh as well as i have um liana and shan is making up my list there uh with jd there bringing up at number five i on my chart i just have three sort of trimming that list shorter much quicker than i'd like but it's pretty similar nasir at three liana at two and shan at one each from a different tribe so curious things going on with the complex tribe in my mind but we shall see i should have put uh it be shan ricard jd and genie top four (laughs) but yeah no that's our show uh, you can email us at the winner edit at gmail.com. New episodes on Sundays this week. So uh, look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And we will see you hopefully for a, an even edited, less advantage season or episode of Survivor. For sure. Well, farewell, folks. See ya.